Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good Thursday afternoon and welcome into Grant and Danny. February 1st, 2024. The search is over. 24 days in, the commanders have hired Dan Quinn as their brand new head coach. We'll be breaking the transaction down from all angles all day long. We're taking you up. To 6.30, we will have insightful guests, and we've got a lot of discussions to have on this search, which led to Dan Quinn. How we got here, it was circuitous, and at times, the optics weren't great for this new ownership group, but they seem very happy. All systems go now for new GM Adam Peters, and he's picked head coach Dan Quinn to run this football team. This Given what's happened the last few days, at this point, it's not a surprise. But if you told me on January 15th, three weeks plus ago, after Green Bay had just boat raced Dan Quinn's Dallas Cowboys, and I, I don't, I'm not saying, oh, his defense is bad, that gave you an arm. That's not what I'm talking about. But after that point, if you'd have said he'll be the head coach of Washington, I'd have said, I don't believe you, Ron Burgundy South. They hired consultants. They hired Bob Myers. They hired uh, Rick Spielman, and they they paid all the money and they beat the bushes for a guy that you could have found by asking, uh, conducting a Twitter poll. Like this is this is not why you hire the consultants to to beat all the bushes and find the next great thing that nobody's seen before. Seven different teams passed. If you were excited about it, you could have done this weeks ago. As other teams were scrambling to get their guy, it's it just hard. It's hard to feel inspired about it. None of that changes the fact that. There's a lot of work to be done. He might be good. It might be bad. It might be something in between. We have no idea. But it's hard to feel confident and powerful and great about that search. Yeah, here is hoping that Dan Quinn's excellent. And that second time around, he learned the lessons he needed to learn in a mediocre run in Atlanta. And that he has a lengthy and successful tenure. And 12 years from now, when he decides to retire, he's won three Super Bowls. All right? That's the hope, for sure. But the chance that he was their number one option all along is probably minuscule. I don't believe that when this search started, they didn't have a favorite. I think they did, and they didn't get him. And I don't believe that as recently, even as 72 hours ago, right after the NFC Championship game, that after they had done their batch of first interviews, Dan Quinn was the expected option. I think he was kind of the... Worst case scenario, break glass in case of emergency. We feel okay if we end up with Dan Quinn. Probably how we got here. But 
We'll go into the specifics of his resume and why the team is going to be able to suggest this is a good hire. Because, look, I have made it very clear. I'm not going to change my tune today personally. This is not the hire I would have made. I'm not excited about this by any means. I waited three and a half years to get out of the Rivera era. And this is, to me, a very, very similar thing. The difference is you now have a new ownership group that gives you a chance. You now have an adult as a general manager who I happen to think will be a terrific evaluator in free agency and in the draft. And if you gave even Rivera those things, the ownership group that he's got now, uh, Dan Quinn has in his back pocket, the uh, GM that handpicked him, I think Rivera would have had more success here. So this can absolutely work. No one's sitting here telling you that it's not going to work. But if it does, you're one of the few teams that's pulled it off. I mean, you're trying to do something that most clubs have not been able to successfully do, which is hire a defensive-minded head coach and have that guy succeed in your program. I'll go through all the numbers. I've been crunching them all day long. I've got a lot of data for you. I've got, I know you guys hate the word analytics. I've got some numbers for you guys on defensive head coaches and the lack of success they've had in the league here recently. But I hope Washington bucks the trend and we're all clanking blizzards together and celebrating with Monday DQ days on Grant and Danny for years to come. I really do. That's what I want. I get, I, I get, there are so many more important things to me. I, obviously, the head coach is a critical figure in, in, in the franchise. But long-term vision, long-term importance, the general manager being empowered, competent, smart, good, having a great staff, to me, is more important. That's something that I still feel good about, even though we're still talking about Rivera holdovers as part of the organization, which I'm skeptical about, but rubber will meet the road. Get the quarterback right. Who's on his staff? Because it can't just be the offensive coordinator that they get right now because that guy's going to go. Do you have a pipeline? Do you have a, a group in developments? You don't. The well doesn't run dry like happened to, say, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. You got a couple great offensive coordinators in a row. Those guys become head coaches. You fall off a cliff. You can't get a job. Same thing happened to Dan Quinn the first time, by the way. Right, You lose Kyle Shanahan, the next year they were decent, then you fall off a cliff, and it's like, what happened? Seems pretty obvious to me. So getting a lot of things right here will make or break this regime. The OC hire is going to be fascinating. You're hearing names from all over the place. The one that's being most reported, and I don't know what that's worth because everything about this process that was reported seemingly was incorrect circuit to circuit. But it sounds like Clint Kubiak, who's the passing game coordinator for the 49ers, working under Kyle Shanahan, who was the offensive coordinator recently for the Minnesota Vikings, could be named the OC for Dan Quinn. That, that's not anything anyone's going hard with, but they're saying, look out for this. This is a name to watch. That makes a lot of sense. Peters was in San Francisco with him this season. You want to grab someone from the Shanahan tree. Obviously, Clint Kubiak's dad, Gary, coached under Mike for a long time, was a Super Bowl champion head coach with the Denver Broncos. It's all that same offense, that same mm-hmm. Shanahan-Kubiak stuff. Uh, and I think Clint Kubiak's going to be a head coach. It'd be a great offensive coordinating hire. It's It would be wonderful if that's who they bring in as it pertains to developing the number two overall pick, which is probably the most important thing that happens here. Hopefully, Peters is great. Hopefully, Quinn's the man. The number two pick, being a baller, is probably more important than either of those two things. And entrusting the development of that player now to your coordinator and your quarterback's coach becomes tantamount. And what is so vital and so paramount is who you hire. But to your point, you bring in Clint Kubiak, awesome, love the hire. He will be gone if it goes well with Drake May or Jaden Daniels a year from now. 
best case, you pull a Bobby Slowick and he comes back. Or maybe he's a weirdo and he just stays forever like he's Ben Johnson. But more than likely, he leaves immediately as a hot commodity. So is there someone you can layer underneath of him? Can he bring one of the other guys from San Francisco who's working at, with a position group, who's the quarterback's coach? And then when Kubiak leaves, you develop that guy. The 49ers have a pipeline. They've done it. No other team has been able to. But if you're the first team to put that together and do it, then there's a gleam, man. That with Dan Quinn for years, establishing the culture, being a leader, giving a rah-rah speech, doing all that stuff that they're enamored with, you can have an offensive pipeline possibly. But that's what it takes here. But I am kind of between two minds, Danny, of how I wanted to go about this today. Mm -hmm. There's two ways for me to approach this, right? One is... To look at this from the team's perspective as best I can. To give the benefit of the doubt to an ownership group that I am happy is here and isn't Dan Snyder. And to a general manager that I was ravenous to have had hired who I do trust implicitly. That's angle one. I'll get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. The other, though, is, and you're just going to have to forgive me, guys, for having my own opinion here. That my perspective is that I would not have done this. And I have to be honest about that. I'm not going to go 0-60 to 60 and all of a sudden break out the pom-poms like they did some awesome thing. I will admit I'm not a billionaire owner, right? I, I, I don't own three teams in three sports. I'm not an elite GM like Adam Peters. I'm not a former GM of the Vikings like Rick Spielman. And I wasn't the architect of an NBA dynasty uh, like Bob Myers. I'm just a boy. And I just study football for a bunch of hours a day with a lot of information that says this is not the correct way to go about this. But they've decided to. So here we are. I just have to make sense now of hoping that this offensive staff develops this quarterback into being a stud. Because if that happens, this can work. There's a couple of places, not many, but there's two that I can think of in the NFL where defensive-minded head coaches over several years have had a lot of success in this era right now. And that is Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh and Sean McDermott in Buffalo. But for the most part, it hasn't worked. When it started for me, and this is what's difficult, If you, I think you did actually say the first day of the search, like what is the worst case scenario for you? And for me, the worst case scenario in this process, when it began, after they fired a defensive coordinating leader of men, cut from... You know, the, the Rivera claw mm -hmm. was that they ended up with a defensive coordinating leader of men in the same drawer as Rivera. And Quinn and Rivera are, are similar in that way. Rivera, former NFC South head coach, got to the Super Bowl the year his quarterback won MVP, was a little bit over 500 in the NFC South, is beloved by players and media, and a really nice guy, likes to say, be where your feet are. Quinn, now here's his resume. It's very different. Hmm. He's a former NFC South head coach who got to the Super Bowl the year that his quarterback won MVP, who's a little over 500 in the NFC South, who's beloved by players and media, who likes to say, be where your feet are. It's tough for me to get overly excited. I waited for three and a half years. I hoped that it was going to be the thing I wanted. I didn't get what I wanted. I'm not going to throw a fit. I'll move along and try to see it from their way. How we got here matters to me. It may not matter to most of you. I'm going, so you've taken your turn to apologize kind of in advance. Here's mine. I can't get over the process. Some people won't care. Either way, they he's the head coach, move on. It's training camp time, it's OTA time, it's football time. And if you can do that, that's great. I care about how. I'll give you two examples, both locally here in Washington. The process that led the Washington Capitals to move on from George McPhee and land on Brian McClellan 
did not inspire confidence. It didn't. This wide-ranging search for one of the lieutenants who, probably, who may or may not have said yes to Peter Forsberg for Marty Erat, right? That We're going, no, 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 we need out of that. Ryan McCullough's been awesome. He has been. It worked out. The process that led us to Tommy Shepard. How could you possibly go in for one of Ernie's, uh, uh, you know, uh, lieutenants, one of his top dogs, one of the guys that was either in the room without? Very uninspiring process led to bad results. The point is, there's no one thing about a process that doesn't work out great or like you'd like that guarantees one result or the other. I can't get over that this process was disappointing. That's it. I, I, I will. I am focused on that. Until the next thing, well, I'll it, do. I'll do the next thing when the next thing happens. Correct. But also, it needs to be said that the process looks, whether reality is perception or not, I don't know. We don't know. But the process looks like they did not get their first or maybe their second favorite guy. If you had the steamies initially for Dan Quinn, let's say that they did. Okay, it wouldn't have looked this way. I agree with that. That, that to me is inescapable. So for people that are that are stopping their feet and crowing and saying, yeah, I love this guy because run the ball or something. Who knows what, whatever your they logic is. They didn't even interview him for like eight days for the second time after he got eliminated. They were in no rush to talk to him again. This is the point. Seven other teams who said we're not waiting around because what if, for the sake of argument, Mike McDonald tells us no. What if Anthony Weaver tells us no. What if Ben Johnson tells us no. We're going to go get somebody else. Didn't snatch him up from you. They didn't. They snatched Raheem Morris. They snatched other guys that 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 you know were 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 viable candidates. They said we're not waiting around. We got somebody. You waited this long clearly for other options because of the timeline and the calendar. If you were blown away by Dan Quinn, whether I agreed with that or not, I'm not in the I'm not in the meeting rooms. I'm not doing the uh, the uh, the interviews. I have no idea what's said, what's not. I have no idea what your metrics are. I have no clue. But if they had the you guys, this dude is special. It wouldn't have looked this way. I, I will not get over that. I cannot get over that. To me, that is the indisputable part of this entire proceeding. None of that changes that he might be great, that he might be mediocre, he might be terrible. I have no idea. The way that we got here right now matters to me more than it seems like anybody else. Yeah, everybody on planet Earth thought Ben Johnson was going there. The GM's agent, the, the guy running the search, Myers, the agent for Ben Johnson, you know, they're seen together at the San Francisco-Detroit game You'll have to forgive me for thinking that at some point you might have wanted Ben Johnson before he decided to stay in Detroit. But it's Dan Quinn. And if you're just joining us, that is the news of the day. Here on Grant and Danny, the commanders have named Dan Quinn their head coach. He will succeed. Ron Rivera feels a little bit like the meme of the dad who's wearing that purple pattern button-down shirt. You know, the guy who's sitting in the shirt that his kids just gave him, Mm -hmm. and he's going to replace the old worn-out one with a couple of stains and wrinkles with the new one. little Spider-Man Mimi, for sure. What I would say, though, is, and this is not for the team as much as for Dan Quinn backers, don't waste any time trying to, like, differentiate between him and Rivera. Okay? Because that's the first thing I've noticed that people get very upset about (laughs) is they go, he's not like Rivera, man. No, no, no. Don't waste your time. There are categories of coaches. Coaches reside in buckets. They're in drawers, right? You, you, last time, four years ago, you hired a head coach. You went into the bucket of, we want a leader of men to build a culture who's defensive-minded and who you know people are going to say nice things about. That's what you did. Dan Quinn was in the same drawer. You, you kind of moved Dan Quinn to the side and you grabbed Ron Rivera. Then, this time, you pulled out Dan Quinn. That's what happened. 
But here is the better angle. It's not that Dan Quinn's so much different or he's eight years younger and he has more energy and this is why. The better angle here is to say, hey, don't be heartbroken that this is the same as the thing that you hated for three and a half years. He's not going to run personnel. Rivera was running personnel. You had a coach-centric model that Mm -hmm. I don't think works very well. And there was a front office here led by the Marty Party that proved that they couldn't do it. They could not, in free agency, hit a high enough batting average. They could not, in the draft, get a base hit, let alone a high enough batting average. And for those reasons, we decided this is not going to work. So they now have a general manager. So the argument should be, if Rivera was here under the Hogs, Harris Ownership Group, and Adam Peters, wouldn't Rivera have had more success? And my answer to that is yes. I think you can win football games with Ron Rivera. Not a terrible coach. And I would say that about Dan Quinn, by the way. Dan Quinn is, like, if someone's calling up and saying he's a bad coach, he's a terrible head coach, this is an awful hire, like the first two of those things I think unequivocally are incorrect. I would even say that to call this a really bad hire probably isn't fair. It's certainly not the one that's on trend with what works in this league. It's not the one I would have wanted. But you you get what I'm saying, Daniel, yeah. when I say Ron Rivera is an average NFL head coach, probably. You see you see it through the right light, maybe a tick above average. I don't know. But he is he's an NFL coach. There's 32 of them. You know, he's probably in that 16 to 22 range or whatever. Dan Quinn might be a little better or, or the same or a little worse. I don't know. But comparable. My point is, if Adam Peters is who we think he is, if they hit on the number two pick with a new ownership group, all is not lost here. Disappointing for me because I wanted my trifecta. And only two of my horses came in. I didn't get what I wanted on the coaching thing. But you can't always get what you want. Maybe Dan Quinn is what we need. Maybe we needed. Maybe all they needed in Washington was just a leader of men, culture-building, defensive-minded, head coach from the NFC South who got to the Super Bowl that year that his quarterback was the MVP. Maybe that's what this team needed. Again, hard to hard to figure right now. It's hard to see. Right now? Now, again, I, I think a lot more of Dan Quinn than I do of Ron Rivera. That's I think it's maybe we, per company, but that's but neither here nor there. when they hired Rivera. You're using no, I, what you now view of oh, Rivera totally. against Rivera. Totally. When, but you can't. This is the reverse car wash under Dan Snyder. The day he was hired, Ron Rivera and Dan Quinn were similar guys. It's like right now, the commander's group is at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Peters and all the, you know, Martys and all the Marty, 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 Marty. Mm-hmm. And they're walking around. And I guarantee you what's happening is they're walking around and people around the league are coming up going, hell of a job, guys. You Great hire, You fellas. got a good one. Dan Quinn, you guys got a good one. Because everyone in the league, lo- they can't get it. Like, every morning you wake up, if you're a football cowboy and you're like, I love Dan Quinn and I can't wait for Sunday. Like, those are the things you say. So, like, everyone's high-fiving them right now. But it was the same thing when when Ron was hired. That was, yeah, sure. But now, I, now that we bothered to study and look past the fact that he was nice to me at the Super Bowl that time, uh, or actually went and looked and said, wait a minute, th- these results are not special. They're not good. And the employees are nobody but uh, guys with, with Charlotte area codes that are coming on a cell phone. And, oh, oh, my God, what is happening? To me, Dan Quinn has turned in better homework over the last several years than Ron Rivera did his previous several years in Carolina. I know different positions. Ron is the head guy. But Dan Quinn's turning in good defensive work on a daily basis. Again, I know th- the screen game notwithstanding. But he has been turning in good assignments. Holding up his report card going, see, look at this. Rivera Rivera. did that when he was a defensive coordinator as well. 15 years ago, as the league has moved on tenfold. That was the last time he was a coordinator. Yes, and he's been a middling head coach since. And to me, the resume 
of point of hire is better for Dan Quinn than it is for Rivera. But my point is the comparison of like Dan Quinn's defenses are good as a coordinator and Ron Rivera has failed as a GM and a head coach. Completely different jobs. One's a lot harder than the other. Well, very different. The last time Rivera had the Quinn job, his defense ranked number one in the NFL. Yes, a long, long time ago as the league has changed 10 times over. To me, if Ron Rivera had gotten fired from Carolina, turned in great defensive homework on a couple stops, as now I'm on my second place, okay, maybe I'd have been more receptive to it. But as after Quinn leaves Atlanta, again, he turns in good work as a defensive mind on a couple different stops. I've been, I've been impressed with that more so than I was looking at Rivera's resume. The commanders did not do the thing that works at the highest rate as far as hiring processes go. They bucked the trend. There are no absolutes, right? Exceptions happen. There are exceptions to every trend, and maybe they'll be the team that can punch through with the defensive-minded head coach. They seem to think so. Maybe their number two pick it turns into Josh Allen, and Sean McDermott can hang around as one of the longest-tenured coaches in the league. Maybe their number two pick is Big Ben, and Mike Tomlin 2.0 takes place here, and Dan Quinn is the coach for 17 years. Question for you guys is how you feeling today? How you feeling about the hire of Dan Quinn? Ben Johnson stayed in Detroit. Everyone kind of pivoted. It was like a scene out of Hook where the Lost Boys are running back and forth between Rufio and Hook as they're yelling at each other in Neverland. And uh, I think the way it went was like basically Rufio would say one thing and all the Lost Boys would run over there and be like, yeah. And then uh, Peter Pan, it was it, would do, the, you know, yell back at him. And, and they ran back over back there, yeah. Him. That's what we were doing. Everyone ran to Ben Johnson and was like, we're lucky to have you, sir. And then he went back to Detroit, and then they said, uh, Mike McDonald. And they went over to him. They're like, we're lucky to have you, sir. And he's like, kick rocks. I'm going to Seattle. They're like, darn. And then they're like, Anthony Weaver, we're lucky to have you, sir. And he's like, uh, not up in here. Uh, he would have taken the job, but instead uh, they didn't offer him the job. It's Dan Quinn season. How do you feel? 800-636-1067, MGM National Harbor Listener Lines on Grant and Danny. Well, I think he was square in the conversation the whole time. And then as you go through the process, there are certain people that just drop out, unavailable, get hired, whatever it may be. And I think there are a couple of things that you have to remember here. Number one, I think that in a perfect world, they wanted to hire somebody who was not a first-time head coach, who had experience, so that they didn't have a first-time head coach and a first-time GM. I think that mattered to them in some form or another. I also think it was important for them that when you're going through a process like this, you get a lot of calls from a lot of people speaking out on behalf of various candidates. But I know that of all the candidates they considered, there, there, were no, there was nobody that got more unsolicited calls, more recommendations, more people backing and more support than Dan Quinn. That was Adam Schefter. The only thing that's weird about that answer to me, welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan, when he suggests they didn't want to pair first-time GM Adam Peters with a first-time head coach, they interviewed almost all first-time head coaches except Dan Quinn. Uh, Dan Quinn. And Raheem Morris. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying almost all, oh, yeah. right? Nearly so, all, yeah. Uh, Glenn, Weaver, Johnson, Slowick, yep. McDonald, Bienemy. Six of the eight guys that they interviewed would have been first-time head coaches. 
So if that was a priority, that's kind of weird, right? Tells me that it probably wasn't a priority. It became a priority once it shook out this way. I do want to know more about how they put the list together. You know, it sounds like maybe they just they got together and it was mostly Adam Peters running this process from what I've gathered. I think this is the list of guys he really wanted to talk to that was the consensus top candidates in his mind in the league. They interviewed half as many as some teams. They interviewed the fewest number of candidates. They yep. only interviewed two outside offensive options. Most teams interviewed four to six. I have my questions about the list that this whole thing started with, but none of that matters now, I guess. Dan Quinn is the higher. So here's how you sell Dan Quinn. You tell me what I'm missing here. If we're doing a come on out to see the commanders, like on the local news where you're not really getting into the context and the substance because you got 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. You're just like, the commanders got their guy. And there's like a big Chiron that says, Dan Quinn to D.C., DQ in D.C. or whatever. Here's what I've come up with. One of the most respected leaders in the National Football League. One of the brightest defensive minds in football. He'll be a really good partner with Adam Peters in the GM head coach mold that they're looking for. And this is the one area where mm-hmm. this hire and what I wanted kind of meshes. Dan Quinn is not elbowing in for personnel like Mike Vrabel would have. It's pretty clear, by the way. Belichick, Vrabel, Yeah, they didn't want Harbaugh. guys with that cachet or that that aura to them that would sort of butt guys aside. Like a first-time GM going, this is who we're drafting. And then Bill Belichick shoots you a, a stare down yeah. I don't for five seconds. Peters you know? wanted oxygen sucked out of the right. room. It's his show. I think he got that in Quinn. They'll be a good tandem, which is what I'm looking I want that McVeigh sneed thing, the thing that Detroit has right now. Holmes and Campbell. Everybody loves him in the league. That'll help with recruiting players and staff. He can put together a better staff probably than the younger, more exciting options that were left. You know, if you're comparing him to Aaron Glenn or Anthony Weaver as an example, Quinn's going to put together a better staff. This one doesn't sound like a compliment initially, but stick with me. So he's not special and he's not going to be particularly great. But he's also not terrible. He's not an imposter. And I'm not saying that's, like, all that fun to say he's not. But my point is the floor with him is lower. I don't know if you want to call him safe. I'm not sure that it is safe. Safe would infer that there's a really good chance it works out. You know, I heard JP was saying he's safe. I'm not knocking him, but I don't completely agree with that. I know what you mean, but I I have the same kind of eyebrow raise when I hear that word, too. He's more of a known than the other guys. The ceiling is higher. So if that means he's safer than... So be it. Uh, but I just think that you know that it won't be a disaster. You could three months in find out that Aaron Glenn wasn't ready, that Anthony Weaver needs a couple of years, needs to be a coordinator, that Ben Johnson is not who you thought he was. And at least in Dan Quinn's case, he's done this before. The worst that could happen is he's just okay and the offensive staff isn't as special as the one in Atlanta when they helped carry him to the Super Bowl. The thing that I would add, and I would try to emphasize if, I, if I'm doing the salesmanship here, is his guys punch above their weight class. His guys do more than you'd expect them to do. Not come in with a bunch of hype and attention and underachieve. Micah Parsons meets expectations. He's a superstar. You look up and it's not... Well, you see, sometimes he gets double teamed and he's really generational, but 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 you you have to understand that it's hard for him sometimes 14, 15 sacks a year, 
dominant. Every time he rushes the passer, he's a factor, causing turnovers, wreaking havoc. Other guys that you've never even heard of get plug and play. They lose, uh, you know, I don't know, lose uh, Trayvon Diggs. Somebody else leads the league in picks and scores a bunch of touchdowns, more than most wide receivers do. He finds guys, they outperform expectations. Don't you want some of that here? That, to me, will be my number one selling point. Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Washington Commanders. Kind of just hitting me. Yeah. Dan Quinn, man. Like, right now. Big booth guy, by the way. Sits there in the booth, mm. looking down from the 400 level. With Stands the hat, up, pumps that fist. Hat backwards. Yeah, he, does, he doesn't cross his arms. He kind of does a hands on the side of his waist bit. But he all, he is more energetic on the sideline. He will pump his fist. I just up. want him to talk into the headset, even if he's just doing a monologue. I think he will. I, I want th- that. He might even dare I say call defensive plays. Don't get crazy on me now. I think he might call. Some I just want him to plays. be talking to somebody. Drabby, who loves Dan Quinn, because Drab is a Seahawks fan. And right. If you've ever like worn a Seahawks jersey, Dan, you you worship the ground Dan Quinn walks on. So Drabby saw me out in the hallway, and he's like, "Dude, sorry about this. I know this is a tough day or whatever." And uh, he said, but aren't you a little bit excited for, like, how good the defense is going to be? Now, mind you, the defense in Atlanta was never particularly good when he was the head coach. I think they had one top 10 season, if memory serves. The defense is great when he's the coordinator, but when he's the head coach, it's been a different story. But I digress. And he's like, the Legion of Boom, man. Like, you guys are going to be physical and DBs are going to be awesome. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Offense, man. <laughs> points. How many points will they score? Uh. That's what counts. That's who wins in the National Football League. By the way, Seattle didn't really seem to want him either. Is, Is that telling? At, a place where he's beloved? better than anybody. John Se- Snyder's still there. Seems uh. like he wanted that job, wanted to go home. Yeah. They said, we actually prefer Mike McDonald. We've got somebody else in mind, but thank you so much. Yeah, th- that's one of the things that's hard to escape. Because all the things I just said in terms of the, the pitch for Dan Quinn, I think, are true. Mm-hmm. It is not as bad, maybe, as it looks on the outside. It's just unexciting and boring, and it's a clone of what you just had, which makes it even worse. Having said that, you could have done a lot worse, probably, which is a great slogan to put on your business card. <laughs> That's just what I want people to say about me. I'm going to do that for my comedy business cards. You, you could, could do-, do a lot worse. <laughs> Book me. But it's just tough. You were the last team to hire a guy. Yep. Seven other clubs hired a coach, and, it, and they didn't hire Dan Quinn. I saw my boy Ben Standing from The Athletic tweeted yesterday something like, you know, Dan Quinn was the number two guy or the number three guy at worst in this cycle. A, I don't know who voted on that. Who got together and voted on that? That's, that's my first hired before last. retort. But second yeah. would be, haven't seven coaches been hired? That math doesn't quite math for me. So let's do our impromptu rankings. Maybe Harbaugh won. I would say Harbaugh, well, I would say Ben Johnson won probably. Yeah. Harbaugh two. I would have thought Belichick or or Rabel, Rabel. but it didn't seem like there was a ton of Of the guys that got hired, Raheem Morris, probably pretty hot commodity. Certainly got hired quicker yeah. and had more interest. So that's we still haven't gotten to Dan Quinn yet for second or third. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean there there were names out Mike McDonald, McDonald. Who, who got the job over Dan Quinn in yep. Seattle and mm-hmm. you know, who has way more ink has been spent on Mike McDonald than Dan Quinn. But I digress. Uh, eight jobs. The last one to be filled was Dan Quinn. That's just tough to get past. But they got their guy, didn't they? They got a guy. They got a guy. That's what they should tweet out. We got a guy. We got a guy. <laughs> Instead of the we got our guy yeah, tweet yeah. that we've been waiting for, like bald-headed, goateed up, Dan Quinn, big picture, fist pumping on the sideline, NFC title game moment, we got a guy. We got a guy. <laughs> a, a person has been hired. That's a T-shirt, by the way.
Grant and Danny, we want to hear from you guys next. Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Commanders. How you feeling? When I heard Dan Quinn was in the co- was was up and being interviewed for this job, I just think there there couldn't be a better person for that role, you know. And what I mean by that is just when I was with him in Atlanta, like he made this work environment that was so exciting. Every day was such an exciting opportunity to come to work. You wanted to be in the building. You were all moving in the right direction, and that's him. That's how he addressed the players. That's him. How he empowered his coaching staff. And I it just I never had so much fun playing football as I did um, from a head coaching standpoint as I did when I was in Atlanta. And so he deserves a ton of credit for that. I think he's got a great vision for um, kind of how to build a culture. I also think he understands some of his shortcomings and some of his failings from, from his time in Atlanta. And I think he's ready to kind of have an opportunity to fix that. So I know a lot of people are really excited about Ben Johnson, offensive coach, all those different things. But I think it's important for, for fans and people outside of that process to understand that the head coach has to be a motivator and a manager at the highest level. And I think Dan Quinn brings that. I think he also brings – innovative football. And I think when you look at his resume, think about how bad the Cowboys defense was the year before he got there. And, and in, in an offseason, it transitioned. It was a lot of the same players. And the thing that's different is obviously the scheme, but obviously creating that buy-in with the players, creating the relationship with the players. That was Logan Paulson, as heard right here on Grant and Danny when we were asking him about Dan Quinn in the last week. Welcome back. You are listening to The Fan Question for you guys is, how are you feeling? Commanders going against the trend in the National Football League here over the years that's been successful in this era. Uh, It should be noted, I guess, that the majority of the teams that have hired coaches in this cycle have done that, which was kind of the speculation going in. Some of that is the the caliber of the offensive minds. I think also, though, the Raiders didn't get to have a search because their players demanded that Antonio Pierce get the job who had earned it. Two things can be true, by the way. He did earn that job. Mm -hmm. They also probably could have had a search and may have found someone that they wanted to give the job to more. In other words, if there's an uh, an opening, Danny, that you want, you could do everything right and earn it. Danny, earn that job. They hired someone else. Sure. Who might be better at it. If I busted my butt to get some job and then Howard Stern said he wanted it, they should probably hire Howard Stern. Right. There's there's a famous line from The Wire, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Part of it. But to be fair, sure. yeah. he earned it, and the players wanted him to get it, so the Raiders didn't get to have a search, defensive hire. Uh, the Patriots did not have a search either. They just promoted from within. They already had a clause like some college program where Gerard Mayo got the gig. They love him. They think he's a rising star. They're allowed to do that. That's their prerogative. But that's two of the defensive hires in this cycle where you didn't even talk to an offensive mind to see if anybody could have wowed you. Uh, then you go to Seattle where they've kind of done it that way for a long time with Pete Carroll, defensive-minded organization, one of the few left. They go with Mike McDonald. So I guess the surprises to me are more Washington going that route and certainly Atlanta having done the same uh, as close as they are from a personnel standpoint, feeling like they're maybe a quarterback away. But to the phones we go. want to check out what you guys think here and take your temperature. 800-636-1067. Shane is in Oxon Hill. What's up, Shane? Hey, Shane. What's going on, fellas, man? Stick with me, stick with me, man. So, um, first and foremost, it's a it's a baffling thing to me that you would hire Bob Erm and all these other guys in here, right? To to hire Dan Quinn. Secondly, I believe you know the Secretary of Defense or something says we need such a leader, but that's just a new word for high character guy. 
that's a, that's a wrong word for high character guy. Um, thirdly, can we please stop like Dan Quinn took these guys to the Super Bowl? That was an offensive-driven team. Matt Ryan won the MVP. Okay, that was a Kyle Shanahan-led team to the Super Bowl. Okay, guys. And and lastly, this guy coached the Legion of Boom for two years. He didn't put it together. Okay. None of that. He coached him for two years. It's a terrible hire, man. And it, I just lose all faith in Adam Peters already. If you can't hire the correct, you know, coach, why should we believe in that this is going to work with him co- selecting the first, you know, uh, the best players? Look, I also you, don't like the hire. I don't think it's a terrible hire. And where I would push back and defend Peters as someone who thinks he's going to be really good is – while this does not look like it was a clean search, and I don't think it was a particularly productive one, the bigger fish to fry coming up here is quarterback. I would judge him more based on that. Also, we don't know if Dan Quinn is going to do a good job or not. Like You can have your opinion now that he won't, as an example. I think he'll be a lot like Rivera, kind of a middling head coach. You'll have a better GM and a better ownership, so the team will be better than it was. Under Ron, and ideally, if you hit a home run at quarterback at number two, Danny, the team could actually be really good. Sure, yeah. I just don't think you're going to be exceptional as a you know from a head coaching standpoint. But there are plenty of teams in the league that aren't exceptional in that area who find ways to win when you hit on the spectacular quarterback. I wouldn't say I'm out on Peters because we don't like what he did. In other words, we can disagree with the process. Mm-hmm. I do. We could disagree with the hire. I do. This isn't like. Um, black and white or you know like a, a math problem where it's four or nothing you know two plus two definitely equals four Dan Quinn's the hire it, you can't say it's terrible I mean the guy did coach in the Super Bowl I don't think it's a good one I, I think it's a, a bad hire but it's not like they went and grabbed some guy at a high school in Florida well you yeah you, you start stacking a few of these together though then you can make up to me a better value judgment about Peters right like you, if there are data points that don't look kind aka Whoever they pick number two is a bust and, you know, is out drinking every night and doesn't show up to practice and gets suspended. And then they they DFA him, uh, you know, the, the middle of his sophomore year. OK, maybe that's not great. Or, you know, free agent busts or otherwise you start adding those things up. You go, OK, maybe he wasn't a great hire. I think it's too early for that. Again, this process, how it went, it's hard for me to feel good about anybody that's there right now. Well, let me rephrase. I still feel good about everybody. It's hard for me to give them any any positive credit for this one doesn't change the fact that I'm excited oh, yeah. about the Harris ownership group, Peters, I'm not just blindly going to write A-plus down. Yeah. I'm grading the paper how I see the paper. But, man, do I hope they're right. You had all the information and all the data in front of you that screams do this thing, and they did another thing. And the, the weirdest part to me is, where did that list of eight come from? Really, it was seven, because they gave the enemy the first interview. But where did that come from exactly? And why weren't there more names that were offensive on that list? Uh, now, with Quinn hired, if he's going to look good, if this thing's going to work, if they're going to win, the offensive staff is is the whole ball game here, ahead of drafting a quarterback at number two, very likely. Let's get into that next on Grant and Danny.
I think first and foremost, they had the GM that they wanted. They got the guy that they wanted right away in uh, Adam Peters, and they hired him out of the box. That was something that was important to them, and they got that done. And I think that they were of the mind that in a perfect world, they weren't going to be pairing a first-time GM with a first-time head coach. And so Dan Quinn checks the boxes there in that regard. The other thing is, is that when these organizations are going through this hiring process, they make a lot of calls and they get a lot of calls from a lot of different people, uh, endorsing candidates, recommending guys. You got to get to know this guy. I'm telling you about this guy, vouching for this guy. I know that the commanders felt like they got more calls and more texts unsolicited uh, about Dan Quinn with positive messages from people than they got from any other candidate. And that's just the way that it kind of went. Now, that's not why he got the job, but it certainly was comforting and reassuring that they felt like they were getting a guy that is high energy, that's upbeat, that's positive. It probably doesn't hurt that you're weakening the team in the division, although I don't really believe that to be a driving force and a primary factor in why they hired Dan Quinn. They hired Dan Quinn because they believe in him as a leader. They believe in him as a man. They believe that other people are spot on in what they say about Dan Quinn, who had been a finalist for other head coaching jobs, and the board just didn't fall his way in recent years. But they feel like they've got a whole energetic, upbeat, positive guy stepping in to Washington to help try to lead that team into the future. That's Adam Schefter. We're Grant and Danny. This is the fan. Dan Quinn coming to the nation's capital. He is the head coach. Of the Washington Commanders. Feel the excitement. The search is over. Eight teams needed coaches. Eight teams have made hires. By the way, January 8th it started. That was almost a month long. Yeah. Did it feel that long? Longer. I'm not doing a bit. I, like it's not doing I've been married 10 years. Feels like 50. I'm not doing that. It literally felt longer than I that. I mean, there was a lot of moving parts. But the reason why it felt longer was because we're sitting there looking at our watch starting in week seven or eight for the end of Rivera. That's why this coaching search has felt that long to me. This is fairly normal in the course of events. I know Washington was last, but it's only by a matter of days. But because we we knew forever that this Rivera thing was needed to end, was going to end, I'm begging them just to be impulsive and, and impetuous and immature one time and just jettison that zilch into the stratosphere and we could start this thing fresh. We had to wait until the very, very end for that. That's why it just feels like this thing's been going on for that long. We're going to get back into taking your temperature and seeing who, how you guys feel at 800-636-1067. The next angle on our hit list, though, has got to be this offensive staff. One of the names that has been linked to Dan Quinn, just those media rumblings that are out there, it all starts with one person throwing it out there and then everyone talks about it, is Chip Kelly as an offensive coordinating candidate. So I was a asking a an agent who's plugged in on a lot of what's going on with coaches around the league today. I said, this Chip Kelly rumor about Dan Quinn, he's like, well, listen, I don't know if him and Dan Quinn are linked at all. He said, but I know for a fact that Chip Kelly wants to get out of college and wants to go to the NFL to be a coordinator. My initial response to that is, I'm not really interested. I'm not that excited. To me, that's a big splash hire. That's just a name that looks good on a billboard. I don't think it's a particularly great hire. He's been at the college level. You're better off going and finding a guy who's been in the NFL game, who's ascending, who's been a part of one of these elite offenses in the National Football League. But the only thing that maybe would make sense from a Chip Kelly standpoint is he's never getting an NFL head coaching job again, mm -hmm. right? You, you don't wouldn't have, think. You don't have to worry about that. 
And if he's leaving college football because he hates the NIL and doesn't want to deal with it anymore, then he's probably not going back to college football either. So even though I'm lukewarm on the idea of Chip Kelly, I don't necessarily think it would be a great hire. You might not have to worry about losing him. That would be a long-term solution at OC if you trust him to develop your number two quarterback and think that he could have an awesome offense and run that half the building. It's not in vogue, but I always liked him. And I know that like that sounds blasphemous to people. I think he was, you know, kind of an arrogant uh, putz as a head coach and kept doing things that were like, I'm bucking convention because convention is stupid. Okay, the guy can coordinate some offense. That group in 2013 was awesome. And then it was like, okay, maybe it's fluky. Uh, nope, same thing happened in 2014. The year ahead, once everyone had film, didn't matter. They got up and down the field. They moved the football. They scored points. That guy can coordinate offense. Now, who knows if, if everything is you know moved past where he was or where he is or he's no longer innovative. I don't know. But the reason I like that, A, is pretty good track record of offense. B, I'd have no interest in having him be in charge of the whole operation again because, you know, as as badly as he bombed out in Philadelphia, it ended really, really poorly. But see the part that you that you mentioned. This wouldn't this would solve in theory the problem of head coach or you know offensive coordinator does well. See, you know, the Bobby Sloat corollary where he almost went from you know labeling uh, uh videotapes 2 years ago to offensive genius who almost got a head coach and got this cycle because of how good CJ Stroud was. If you do well, your offensive coordinator is going to leave. That's the thing I said that you have to hammer here is it's not just if they hire Clint Kubiak or they hire some young up-and-coming offensive mind. That's great. You need the next next upcoming offensive mind. And then two after that, the guy that's your intern that's getting the coffee and making sure uh, the uh, Earl Grey tea is just right with the right amount of milk and sugar in there. That that guy's a genius. So in three or four or five years, you've got your own Anthony Weaver. You've got your own uh, you know, sort of next great offensive mind because you have to keep replenishing that tree. Or you find somebody that nobody's interested in, which is a, a tougher needle to thread. Yeah, Clint Kubiak's name keeps coming up. He is the passing game specialist for the 49ers. Not a coordinator, but he was one with the Vikings previously. So kind of overqualified for that job. I'm sure he went there to just get some of that Kyle Shanahan cologne. Mm -hmm. As soon as you get that job, you're on the fast track to being a head coaching candidate. I'm pretty sure he interviewed for a head coaching job or two in this cycle. He, to me, would make a lot of sense as an OC hire. You've seen his name linked to Dan Quinn. Again, Kyle Shanahan worked for Quinn. He tapped into that tree before. You know who was on that staff in Atlanta? Most of the guys from that graphic from Washington. That's where they went. It was Cleveland and then Atlanta. So while under Quinn with the Falcons, it was Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Raheem Morris, like all those guys. That was Dan Quinn's staff. By the way, they got to a Super Bowl with that team. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, not long after leaving D.C. But if you go get Kubiak, to your point, who does he bring with him? Uh, his brother, Clay Kubiak, is the assistant quarterback's coach. Maybe Clay Kubiak comes over as the quarterback's coach. Mm -hmm. You bring over both the Kubiak sons of, of Gary Kubiak. And then when Clint leaves next year, you promote Clay. Or to your point, uh, there's another guy that doesn't get talked about nearly as much in San Francisco, but that I always hear is, like, awesome. And that's this guy, this tight ends coach, Brian Flurry, who's been around for a while, who does a lot of the work in the run game. He's the tight ends coach. Yeah. Maybe you bring him over as your run game coordinator. So like if Kubiak's the OC, Flurry's the run game coordinator, Clay Kubiak's the pass game coordinator, and you've elevated those two guys now, got them out of San Francisco, and maybe you bring over one of their young offensive assistants. Like uh, you just raid the cabinet as best you can. Now you've built a pipeline, maybe where Clint gets a job because Drake May or Jaden Daniels are awesome, 
and it's not a death knell, which is what happened to Dan Quinn and Mike Vrabel and so many other guys yeah. who had a good program being built as defensive minds. That's the stumbling block. I mean, the, the point that you've made all along as to why you landed on, I'd rather have an offensive hire, that is a roadblock. That is absolutely an obstacle that has to be thoughtfully discussed in advance. It can't just be, oh, my God, we lost our OC. We cannot have that. We cannot have what happened to Mike Vrabel happen to us here. See what I'm saying? Like, that is that is the essential thing to me that's probably more important, honestly. And I know it's, it's blasphemous maybe to say this, but it's more important than, than who Dan Quinn happens to be or not be. Having, because if you've got a defensive guy, it can work. You can have, or let's even say a non-offensive guy. You could be competitive on an almost annual basis. In Baltimore, they have two losing seasons out of 14 or 16. I can't remember which, uh, with John Harbaugh. You got, you got a good culture. You got a good general manager. You got a good set of scouts and developing coaches and players. It can absolutely work, and you can win a bunch of football games. But this is a this is the part of it that is a, a you're creating a challenging issue that you have to be thoughtful about and smart about. And it can't just be one year. It's got to be the next five, six. It's got to be all in development at all at all times. Let's get on a, get on a call with Laura and RJ from Sales. Okay. Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. Go on. Your boy's got to eat healthy right now on his on his program. Yes. I can't do this right now, but next fall, I'll be ready to go, I think. Mondays after wins, DQs, blizzards. You think I'm not in on that? Dan Quinn delivered the goods, and so the fellas eat a DQ blizzard on a Monday. Let's get sales behind it. Let's get the push going. Things are looking up when you start shoveling ice cream down my gullet. See what I'm saying? Yeah. You want me to get in on your little defensive hiring that's not going to work, probably, because it hasn't in the league in a decade? Give me a blizzard. Win me over with some chocolate goodies. Now, Anthony Weaver gets hired for this job. Where, where are we handing out baskets to each other? A little weaving. Like, that's not fun. It's not we're, not, we're not doing that for a theme. What if Mondays I tell you beforehand? After the game, we would have all weaved a quilt. Mondays after wins, all six or seven of them this coming year, we're getting Dairy Queen blizzards. What would we have done on Mondays if they got Ben Johnson? Don't answer. <clears throat> Nobody knows. How could how can anyone say? How could anyone know? I think the offensive staff, if they put together an awesome one, mm-hmm. including Kubiak, who I really, really like, makes the hire in year one work. The work then starts, I think, when you start to lose that staff. And everyone's like, why do you worry about that now? Because that's how it works, man. People are like, what a what a first world problem. Yeah, it's called building a program. It's called having a plan. It's th- this is what winning is about. Mm-hmm. Also, the number two pick is the whole deal. And a lot of this is just me talking myself into not being crestfallen today. But the GM hire was good. Is the number two quarterback pick the guy? Because if Drake Mays, Justin Herbert. Dan Quinn's fine. If Drake May doesn't go to and you take Jaden Daniels, and Jaden Daniels is Lamar Jackson, whatever. You, you just found yourself an MVP caliber quarterback. You got to hit on that pick, and it can make today a footnote in this whole deal. Well, let's go to Alex and Leesburg. Start chopping up some of these calls. What's up, Alex? Hey, what's up? I just wanted to talk about, so I got a kind of a long-winded one. Uh, you know, we all were hoping that the rescuer or the commanders would kind of take a big swing. And I think that's kind of what they did. I think, I think they did put a lot of their eggs in their basket with Ben Johnson. I think they really believed they were going to get it. 
Uh, and when they didn't, I think Dan Quinn wasn't necessarily your last uh, option. I think he was a very viable option for the reasons that you guys have already said, right? He's, he's experienced. Uh, the whole staff is young. and Everything is new. So I'm not too down on it. I did want Ben Johnson. I liked his offense. It's great. Um, but it, it just – I think Ben Johnson has proven right now that he's going to be a, a liability next year as well uh, <clears throat> because of what he's done. He's backed out on, on two – two potential head coaching jobs. Yeah, the only part of, you, of that I'll disagree with is I don't think him backing out of these jobs means it wouldn't have worked here if they gave him the number he wanted and he came here. We'll agree on the majority of that phone call, though. I think they wanted Johnson. It didn't happen. You pivot. Now what? Whether Dan Quinn was number two or, or they liked Mike McDonald or a lot, no idea. But I think all along they felt like you're not interviewing these eight guys because you're not interested. They probably felt like afterwards, I don't know, as many as six of them could be their head coach and they could feel okay coming away with that Mm -hmm. situation. And I'm quite sure from the moment they sat down with Dan Quinn, this is not, this is a known commodity. This is not some mystery. You can't, I mean, I, Danny, I'm not joking. I got three calls, one from a guy who covered him, two from agents within an hour going, dude, you're going to love Dan. I'll wait till you meet Dan. He's the best, man. People love this guy. It's, Pretty obvious. You sit down with him in an interview, it's not going to go terribly. I'm sure they left and said, you know, if it's Dan Quinn, cool. It's a pretty good place yeah. to be. Now let's work on Ben. That's there, my guess. Well, there were a couple of guys like that in this process, right? Raheem Morris has that same glow, right, where you get players tweeting like, if he asks me to come, I'll show up. I'm sure they felt the same way about Raheem, by the way. Yeah, and that, so there are a couple of guys where you're not going to find anyone to say a bad word about them. Uh, you know, character-wise, personality-wise, dealing with people, you leave enough good relationships in your wake, you could sort of hang around for a lot longer than maybe you should have. And I'm not saying that's Dan Quinn's case. I'm, I am saying that's Ron Rivera's case. But you're, you're that what you just said, I think, is probably, again, it's all speculation. It's fairly close, in my estimation at this stage, to what happened. That's not inspiring. That's not kick-ass. That's not a great feeling. Had they done this two weeks ago, right, where they done a Zoom interview with, with McDonald and Ben Johnson and Weaver and, and Aaron Glenn and interviewed Dan Quinn, and before you could say, you know, uh, a retread, they'd gotten another interview on the books with him again because they were blown away and wowed, and they said, you know what, we got our guy, boom, and they'd been the third team to announce uh, a head coach. I'd have gone, you know what, it's not what I would have done, but they saw something that they were they couldn't take their eyes off of. They were in love. This was their dude. They 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 can't believe their good fortune that everyone else screwed up. That's not what happened. We, we, there's a waiting around. There's ah, we're gonna see what these other guys do. Well, ah, hold on. We're gonna let Rivera. We're gonna let uh, Raheem Morris go. Ah, we're let, there, there was no urgency to it, and I now almost, it's like Dan Quinn. I kind of maybe feel better it happened this way, in, in terms of going with Quinn. Had they have hired Dan Quinn when Mike McDonald, Ben Johnson, and a bunch of guys were still out there, I think I would have been way angrier. If they just because inter- I'd have been less. Really? Yeah. That's I wonder. We should ask people that. Because if they would have interviewed like the first day they interviewed Dan Quinn, mm-hmm. right? They've completed the process, they've checked every box, they've done everything they need to do within the rules. If they leave that meeting, they're like, oh my God, this is our guy. We love Dan Quinn. He is the answer. Mm-hmm. And they just fold up shop and we find out. Nine days ago or whatever, mm-hmm. right after the interview, Dan Gwynn, Quinn will be the head coach of the Commanders. I would have been way more upset than I am today. And I'm not 
I mean, this is not me pretending like I'm I'm happy about this. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I'm not. But Ben Johnson told them no. Mm-hmm. Ben Johnson said, I'm not coming. Okay, now what? My guess is, now what is Mike McDonald? And he was already probably far enough along with the Seahawks that that didn't work out either, and you just kind of keep going down the line. Now, I probably would have just completely taken a shot on Weaver, who is an unknown. Mm-hmm. I, I was hoping he's special. Maybe I would have done that. They decided someone who is going to build a better staff and, and have a chance right away to come in here and, and you know run a room, so to speak. But I think the way it played out, at least I can go to bed at night saying they wanted Ben Johnson. They just couldn't get him. They weren't completely dumb. They didn't come into this situation going, you know who we want is this Dan Quinn guy. It just, he was the best of the rest, the way the chips fell. That's a little more tolerable for me. That makes it way more depressing for me. (laughs) In other words, that you're waiting around, waiting for seven other teams to select their guy. You didn't select anybody, and you went, this guy. Like, I would have loved it had they been excited. Like, if they were juiced up and he had blown them away, I, at least I'd understand that. Do you know what I mean? Like your point about how how we got here is true. I mean, I, I think two people turned them down for you know different different ways, different reasons, or whatever. We don't know the, the totality of it, or basically either took other jobs or not, didn't take a job at all. And the idea that he wasn't their first choice or second choice, but we have him now, feels very uninspiring. Whereas if you go, we didn't know this was going to happen. He blew us away. You guys are going to love this. That's our dude. You already have the presser, and sometimes you, you, it's right under your nose all along, romantic comedy style. Josh Harris is already up there telling you how great this dude is. Now it's at the end when everyone else has been picked over or declined them or whatever. I mean, it's like Rivera said on Carson Wentz. You get how it happened, but it still sucks that multiple guys told him no to pound sand, and they were going like by alphabetical order, Dewey Decimal System style, to try to find someone to, uh, to throw passes for them. The, the way it happened, to me, depresses me, and I can't get out of that. 800-636-1067 is the number on Grant and Danny. We're discussing possible hires and what the offensive staff could end up taking shape to look like under Dan Quinn. You're listening to Grant and Danny. Quinn is the head coach of the Commanders. This is the fan. I just saw something on Twitter I wanted to share. Welcome back. Grant and Danny on the fan reacting to Dan Quinn as the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. Quinn and his Cowboys got to the playoffs this year. They were eliminated by the Packers, obviously. Another team that was in the playoffs that just got eliminated is the Baltimore Ravens. This is a tweet from a random guy named Andrew. He said, a woman on my Southwest flight from Baltimore to Phoenix this morning had a mid-flight medical emergency. The doctor and nurse attending to her couldn't find a strong pulse. Her blood pressure was extremely low, required oxygen to breathe. It was genuinely scary. A man in the aisle seat popped up. Could it be her blood sugar? I have a diabetic testing kit. It was Ravens tight end Mark Andrews. Can you believe it? Andrews instructed the medical professionals, equal citizen heroes in this story, on using his test kit. Eventually, her heart rate stabilized. Paramedics met the flight as soon as it landed. Andrews deplane quickly, no fanfare. What a story. 
By the way, that's one of my greatest fears is having some kind of medical issue 30,000 feet above the ground. You're not close to anything. But I hope when and if I do, Mark Andrews is there. The Have you ever been on a flight where someone goes, is there a doctor on board? I have, actually. I have, too. But scary. And you go, here we go. By the way, in that <laughs> like, what is moment, this? Yeah. everybody becomes the nosiest person ever. You ever notice that? Oh, yeah. I was like, what's going on? What's going on? Everyone's like, did you hear anything? Did you see anything? Everyone... They'll let you know if they need you. So, so di- yeah, every- Folks, just uh, stay, keep keep your seats. Quit asking questions. Are you a doctor? Nope. Then then don't worry about it right no, now. No, I went on a WebMD twice last month. Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Washington Commanders. Let that sink in. They're going defensive-minded. Really, they're going leader of men, although he has made his bones in this league as an outstanding coordinator. Uh, dating back to his time, he really got a a claim, I think, put himself on the map initially in Seattle with the Legion of Boom with the Seahawks. But the resume for him, this is a Salisbury College locally here mm-hmm. in, in the, uh, you know, this region product. He's a New Jersey native. He's 53 years old. Went to William and Mary where he played defensive line. He was a, a line coach. William and Mary and VMI Hofstra worked his way up, you know, mostly with schools kind of in this region, in this area. And then he got his first job after being the DC and the D line coach in Hofstra quality control in San Francisco way back in 2001. So you're talking about 23 years ago. He started his journey in the NFL was the D line coach for the Niners and the dolphins and the jets. Then the Seahawks hired him. As their assistant head coach, defensive line, kind of that Anthony Weaver role where they really liked the guy, but they couldn't make him the coordinator. And that was back in 09-10. He then left to go to the college ranks at Florida where he was the D coordinator. And that was the first time he got a crack at being a D coordinator. It was with the Gators in 2011 and 2012. Then came back to the NFL to coordinate in Seattle with the Legion of Boom in 13-14. And that got him his head coaching job in Atlanta. 15 through 20 with the Falcons, those six seasons. He was back-to-back years, double-digit wins. One of the years, as I mentioned, with MVP Matt Ryan, they got to the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan left. He hired Steve Sarkeesian. Ryan fell off pretty massively the next season in his age 32 year. The offense wasn't quite as good, and they couldn't get back near the Super Bowl. And within a couple seasons, it all fell apart. His final three years there were 7-9, and 7-9, 0-5. It was a pretty ugly yep. ending, which happens sometimes. Like, if you're an okay coach, Rivera here, mm-hmm. Gruden here, like that that does happen. I mean, you kind of are piecing things together, and then all of a sudden it all caves in around you. But the reclamation gig for him was to go get the D.C. job with Dallas, where he has been outstanding. Been really good. He crushes all those, like, network interviews when guys like Burkhart and Olsen come in and sit down with you. Mm-hmm. They're, like, hanging out with, you know, Uncle Dan Quinn. <laughs> Everyone just loves him and rave about him from 1 to 4 on Sundays, and you knew it was going to happen again. He was going to get a head coaching job again, and again is right now with the Commanders. So you, you go look at those the, the last couple of years, few years really in Atlanta, and for the organizations that are really, really good, those drop-off years, you're you're more competitive than that, right? Like in Baltimore, when they go from like a Super Bowl team or a team that you know, is the number one seed, they followed up the next year with worse personnel with some injuries with like a 10-6 and six year, and they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs or something like that, right? You've seen that a million times before. For groups that aren't really used to doing it on a consistent basis, that build up, get really good, and then kind of fall off, that's more typical. So it showed you that, and again, this is then, who knows about now, 
then he wasn't so special that he could overcome that. He wasn't so good that he could overcome the loss of multiple offensive coordinators, you know, a slight Matt Ryan decline. Um, It wasn't as if he was taking okay to middling personnel and getting way more out of them as a team and as a staff. Again, I've really liked his acumen as as a defensive coach. If the only sample he had as a DC was Legion of Boom, I'd go, well, congrats, you're in the room while... Pete Carroll's defense, where they're committing uh, illegal touching and foul penalties constantly, and one out of every 10 get called, worked really well, so what? But what he's done in Dallas has kind of made me think, okay, this guy's got some acumen as a defensive mind, getting making some chicken salad out of you-know-what. So he's been turning in good work here of late. I will say, again, the, I can't get over the... It took this long and a kind of meandering road, but now it's... Now it's this, you know, it's it's just it's hard to feel inspired. Doesn't change anything. There's still the, all the work is yet to be done, as you said, but, number but two pick and the like. I don't think we should. I don't, I don't want to correct your foot words in your mouth. It's, it's how you feel. I mean, is it true, though, to say that the process bothers you the most? Yes, 100%. I mean, but if you would have just found out at the end, like they fire Ron Rivera and hire Dan Quinn within an hour, you would have hated that. Sure. There's no way you would have been okay with that. I would go, that's not, I, I, I wouldn't have done that, but they fell in love. Like if if that I, I would rather have smart people who I respect, which is the case of Peters and Harris Group and Rails and everybody, had had they had they been blown away, had their had their socks blown off, where they go, you guys, this is this wasn't our plan, but holy crap, we found a star, we're doing this, we I, found a star. It it, it 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 would make me feel a lot more confident. It would. I I, I would. I had to go. I, I'd go. That's not right. I get I, saying but, that the process stunk. It seems like from the outside, and that it, it just didn't. The optics are bad, right? Whether that's the reality, I'm leaving open the hope and the, the, the possibility that it wasn't. But from the outside, the perception is not good. I just, as an aside, I also think that the, the choice is maddening. Hmm. <laughs> I get why they did it. They wanted a leader. I, why not keep Rivera? You wanted a leader. You wanted a defensive mind. Could you, you have demoted him and said? You wanted said, a culture builder. Yeah. You wanted a guy that the media will say nice things about that all mm. the players like. I mean, you, you, he had one more year on his deal. Yeah. Could have just done that for a year. I think the, I think the fan base and, and uh, afternoon drive guys had enough. But, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Put, I mean, put Peters in charge. And yep. That's what they're selling right now. Don't worry, guys. I know you hate the, the Quinn hire. No, Peters is going to do the right thing, and, and that's kind of how I feel, by the way. Peters is here, so it can't be that bad. Hopefully, they'll pick the right players. Let's go to Nate in Silver Spring. What's up, Nate? What's up, boys? Hey, man. Man, uh, um, I'll answer the question for, for you you guys. How do we feel and everything? You know, uh, a couple words come to my mind. You know, I, I'm excited and I'm, re- I'm relieved that it's finally over. You know, like Danny, you know, I didn't agree with the whole process. You know, I'm glad you spoke up on that, Danny, that, that you know, mm-hmm. they should have done this a long time ago and should have fired. Ron, like we were banging on the on the table for, but but at, like my point is out of the why well, I'm excited, you know, out of the last three candidates, I wanted Dan Quinn the most, you know, I didn't want Anthony Weaver, I tell you that right, no offense to Anthony Weaver, you know, and why and Ben well, Johnson, he's harmless. He, I mean, no offense, I don't know if you no, knew no, who no. he was a month ago. Like, why didn't you want him? Just because well, he didn't check the boxes for me, and I'll give you some of these boxes. That, that check that Quinn checks for me, you know, like y'all were talking about twenty, you know, the coaching experience. I want somebody that started coaching a career a long, long time ago. He likes physical football on defense. That's a check. You know, he's less likely to throw his players under the bus. 
you know, from what we've been hearing from Logan Paulson and others. Doesn't fold his arms, but communicates, you know, somewhat <laughs> to his players on the sideline. You know, like, I think we've gotten a little bit too bougie. And, and, I, and I, I, I was smelling the rose of Ben Johnson to Grant, you know, from everything we were hearing and everything. But, you know, he didn't want us. So, out of the last three, I'm excited, you know. Yeah, ben Johnson of, of said three, no. I, I yeah. get it. Totally. Of the last three, I guess, in terms of my proclivity, like what I would have done, I would have ranked it what would have excited me the most. Weaver, because I knew the least about him, and because of that, I would have just hoped maybe he's special and he's this unearthed. Yeah, yeah, maybe he's the guy that blew him away in the interviews, right? Second would have been Glenn, trying to tap into the D'Amico Ryan's recent former player leader thing. Vrabel, Dan Campbell, D'Amico, you're seeing that trend, and it seems to be working. So that would have been next for me, even though Glenn's defenses were bad in Detroit, just awful. And I guess... Win third. Doesn't mean it's a terrible hire. It's just not the one I would have made. Dre's in Manassas. What's up, Andre? Hey, Dre. Hey, what's going on, guys? I mean, I guess for me, what could the team have done differently? Uh, I don't know if there's anything, like you guys mentioned, if they hired Quinn, you know, the day after you know, the Cowboys lost, everybody would say the, the, the process was flawed. I mean, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, the, what we want as a fan base or what a lot of people were as, you know, saying on the radio, young, good-looking, OC, there were a limited amount of those guys. There just aren't that many of those guys that fit that mark. I mean, I think sometimes it's good to have the first-round pick only when the first-round, the consensus is Kwame Brown. And I think <laughs> that was the situation that we were in right now. Yes, everything seemed to be aligned, but what we're looking for, they just simply – wasn't that many to, to um, for us to go well, with. Especially and when you only you guys... interview two of them. Wait, what was that? Especially when you only interview two of them. Well, here's the thing, but they're not that many. And Dave Canales, enough, Brian Callahan, uh, Frank Smith. I mean, there are guys that they didn't even interview. Here's the funny thing about it, though. Everyone believes that if you have a if you get an offensive coordinator, then he's going to be gone. But ironically, I think this term around with eight vacancies most of the people are hired with defensive coaches defensive coordinators so right. but we've talked about this a couple times you may not have heard it antonio pierce was an interim head coach who got elevated because you have Devonte adams and uh max crosby saying they want out if he doesn't get the job so that wasn't like a real search that led to a defensive guy now mm -hmm. he earned the job he did a good job but if they had an open search and really were looking for the next 10-year head coach it may, it may have gone offensive um the patriots Maybe. the patriots had a coach in waiting they didn't get to have a search either. They fired Belichick, and then the next day they introduced their new head coach who contractually they gave the job to. So in terms of teams that had a search, it actually was much more even offense versus defense. And I would agree that Washington adds to the defensive thing, but most people are sitting here going, that was weird. I mean, it was weird. Don't get me wrong. Everything just seems weird, but at the end of the day, they they tried to go after the offensive coordinator. They did. They went out, and this is the whole reason it took so long for them to hire to make the hire because they're going after you know Ben Johnson and Ben Johnson. You know he changed his mind. I mean I don't know what the team was. What was the next step? What what Fair. what should they yeah. have done next? I would have pivoted to Mike McDonald faster. Maybe they weren't as interested in him as they were Dan Quinn. Maybe it was too late. He probably was already down the road a little ways at a deal with Seattle. Who knows. But he asked, uh, Dre asked, you know, what could the team have done differently? From the start, in hindsight, I would have interviewed more than eight people. 
because I would have interviewed more than two offensive guys. It ended up being Slowick and, and uh, Ben Johnson. If you don't count the enemy who got the one interview. I would have interviewed Canales. I would have interviewed Callahan. I would have interviewed Frank Smith. Way, way more offensive coordinators that might be able to, to blow my socks off. Yeah, a, a more thorough process would have. And, and then you land on this? Okay, because Dre's right. Somebody changing their mind on you at the 11th hour and screwing you over. That ain't your fault. Which probably did happen. Yeah, that, that, I do think that happened, by the way. But I, I needed you to want to talk to Mike Vrabel I, you know, and find out. Can, can he get along? If he can't, okay, now we know. How, how much Bill Belichick contact was there? How, you know, did we, did we do Canales and, and Frank Smith, as you said, and Brian Callahan? Did we do Shane Waldron? I don't know. And if there was any interest, okay, that then I'm a little, then I wonder about that. Do you have an issue at all? Well, let's get into this next. With, now that we know that they settled on Dan Quinn, what have you. It's obvious they wanted someone, and this I really, really like, in fairness. They wanted someone who's going to pair very well with Adam Peters in terms of not making demands, not fighting for personnel control. Mm -hmm. They wanted the Dan Campbell to his Brad Holmes. Holmes. Do you have issue with them saying Vrabel might want control or is going to be a pain in the butt? Let's not even interview him. Belichick is going to suck up too much oxygen from the room. Let's not even interview him. Let's get into that next on Grant and Danny. Top of the hour. What expectations do you have for Dan Quinn in his second go-round as a head coach? And why will this thing work? We'll get into that coming up in 13 minutes. At 4 o'clock here on Grant and Danny, we're taking you up to 6.30. In our final segment tonight between 6 and 6.30, we will be giving away tickets to the Wizards. So make sure you are listening at that time if you want those. Question for you guys right now at 800-636-1067. Would you have felt better if it was Dan Quinn earlier in the process and you didn't know that it seems like they missed out on their guy before that? Kevin Arlington, what's up? Hey, guys. So um, something funny happens with me once a decision is made, and that's our guy. You know, I mean, before the decision, I was looking at all the, the things I didn't like about it, and you all been going through it, a chapter and verse this afternoon. But uh, I just had a couple of things I wanted to say. One, you know, we've lost so many great young offensive minds from the Shanahan tree to Kevin O'Connell that I almost felt like we were on such a roll with first the hog, you know, and then Adam Peters, who I didn't think was coming. We're like, well, I just thought it would keep going. And so when Ben Johnson said no, um, I, I think it was a blow for all of us. And I agree that there should have been other offensive-minded uh, coaches in the search. Uh, there weren't. And so we kind of just have to accept what it is. But, it, you know, to me, when I look at, win, I'm beginning to see the comp as Pete Carroll. People forget that Pete Carroll was the head coach of the Jets, didn't do all that well there, was the head coach of the Patriots, didn't do all that well there, had to go back to college, build a dynasty in Southern California with USC, and then when he got the gig in Seattle, it wasn't like everybody was convinced, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to bring championships there. But they did team him right away with a very good young GM who was here in John Snyder, and right away, they got Russell Wilson. 
And so to me, we've got Peters. We've got Quinn. Let's just call him the Carroll Comp. If we get either in May or Daniel someone who's as uh, impactful as Wilson, I think we're going to be fine with this over time. It's just that I think our expectations understandably were the right way to do this with the second overall pick and a young quarterback and given all the great offensive talent we had here that got away, and we know we haven't had a good offensive mind here since Gruden, I I just think that it's – Yeah, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, Kev, which is to say that – and I'll just speak for myself, but I think – you're in this boat, and a lot of our listeners are, who I speak on behalf of. You had an offseason where it looked like there was a chance that all the stars might align finally, where the GM and the offensive head coach paired with the quarterback underneath of this ownership group. And when they went and got the GM, and it was the one we all wanted, the plan started to come in, into place. And it, we, we were at that point, we were sledding downhill, Danny. Mm-hmm. We were getting what we wanted. Like, we, this group can't miss Adam right now. Adam Peters, yeah. Ben Johnson, then it'll be Drake May, Jaden Daniels. The whole thing's going to work out beautifully. And this was not that. You're, you're not getting the, the ideal, perfect scenario on current trend of what works at the highest rate. But there are other ways to do it, as we've said all along. My point has never been, you cannot win this way. My point is, you are making it harder for yourself to win this way. If you want to sign up for that, Go for it. I don't know why you would, but they seemingly want to. They like Dan Quinn enough that they're betting on Dan Quinn. That's what they're doing. Last year, nobody was willing to do that. The year before, nobody was willing to do that. Dating back to when he got fired by the Falcons, no one's been willing to do that. But this group, with Bob Myers, who built the dynasty in the NBA, and Rick Spielman, who's been a GM, and Adam Peters, who's one of the top ascending talent evaluators, they've decided that they're they're betting big on Dan Quinn. And speaking of Adam Peters, I keep getting this feedback. You can tweet us at Grant H. Paulson. Danny's at Funny Danny. You can call us at 800-636-1067. I think one of the takes that has been constant for people that don't understand why anybody's been disappointed by this search is, how can you possibly have been thrilled or thought Peters was a great hire and be disappointed now? As if everything that he does is going to be perfect and he's going to be infallible. That's not the way this works. You can be both happy that they brought in the best evaluator and thrilled that they finally got a real GM and excited that he's here and not expect that everything that he does is correct. Yeah, you mean the guy that traded three first-rounders for Trey Lance? That guy? Of course there's swings and misses. I, I, I still coveted the dude. I'm all in. I am a big fan of Martin Scorsese. The Departed is my favorite movie ever. I don't love all of his flicks. I was just trying to watch uh, Killers of the Flower Moon or whatever it is last uh-huh. night. That's a tough watch, by is the it? way. I'm going to keep gutting through it. I heard it, it was great. Critics love it. Oh, the critics would love it. It is very, very slow and yeah. very Oscars-y. I'm not telling you it's bad. It's just it's not what I expected. But point of the dude's story is I can love a director and not like all of his films. The, the notion that everyone should just be giddy about everything that happens because the guy that you wanted is pulling the trigger. No. And it doesn't mean that we're right. What is correct and what is irrefutable, though, is that what we believe about how to hire coaches, if you're in my camp, has been proven out now over a lot of time. Could the trend change in the future? Washington's betting on it. So is Atlanta. So are some of the other teams that just hired coaches. And I hope the commanders are correct. And we can eat some blizzards on Mondays after DQ gets wins. DQ Mondays.
Let's go to Jackson in Utah listening on the Odyssey app. What's up, Jackson? What's up, boys? I will definitely be joining you on the Monday DQ challenge. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. All are welcome. Oh, I will be I will be doing it two thousand miles away with y'all. But you know, I wanted Ben Johnson, but I do feel good that if they're gonna go with a quarterback at two, it's not gonna be with a rookie head coach. That's that makes me feel a little bit better. I like that it's not Rivera picking players, battling cancer, helping with the rebrand, which is still criminal all these years later. I like that Quinn will be a coach and only a coach. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, we can have another by Dan party, and it'll be really fun. So, <laughs> by Dan parties are yeah. a pretty good time. I'd do it. Other, I'd run it back. We'll run it back over at the bullpen in four years if need be. But because, let's not root for that. No, but let's root for a thanks for the Super Bowl Dan party. But stick aside. I mean, again, I, I've tried to remind myself throughout this process that this is, we are still out of the the dark ages. Right with a guy that quite literally gave them no chance. That's over now. That whether they win lose, it's on their own merits at this point. Right, it's just normal football stuff. Where I'll call balls and strikes. I don't love this one. I love the other one. This is good. Good draft pick. Bad draft pick. This free agent signing is good. Whatever. We could just do normal football ops now. That is a blessing in and of itself. I will not take that for granted. I'm gonna try to always remember that and keep myself kind of centered and grounded in that space. That said, here's the first ball to me. Right. I mean, again, this process led us to this. That's a ball. Uh, maybe the next move is a strike, right? Martin Mayhew still being here. That's a ball to me. Uh, the, the next pitch might be a strike. We'll go through it. We'll talk about it. But, yeah, just sort of they, they hand you a pill. You swallow it uncritically. You know, that's that's why a lot of fans, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's, I don't want to say you're the problem, but it's it's hard for me to have sympathy for you. If, if every regime that's been new that has failed, you blindly wholesale just say, yes, this is the group, you know, thinking uncritically. You kind of deserve what you've got. You guys have made it very clear for a week that you did not want this. And I'm just wondering, now that it's here, you don't have a choice. Like, it is time to start uh, getting yourself prepared and, and, and talking yourself into it. How are you feeling today? MGM National Harbor listener lines will remain open. 800-636-1067. Early next hour, we'll catch up with the first of a few former players that Dan Quinn coached in Atlanta right here on Grant and Danny. If you had the Commanders naming Dan Quinn their head coach on February 2nd, 2024 in the office pool, I want you to come out to Vegas with me next week <laughs> when I head to the Super Bowl on behalf of the radio show. Welcome back to Grant and Danny alongside DR. I'm GP. You're listening to The Fan. We are live in D.C. and in Richmond on AM 910 and FM 105.1, wherever you are on the Odyssey app. Kick off your future with the law firm of Condori and Murrah, they'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Go to kmlawyers.com and mention the show 
to score a discount. That's KMLawyers.com. Super quick nugget. Dan Helley, a longtime media personality, tweeted something about uh, coaching and things having to do with Washington. I just retweeted that and said, Dan Helley's really handsome. Well, Doug Cameron tweeted me just now and goes, wait, so now Helley is handsome? And I'm telling Doug, nothing Dan Helley does with his handsomeness reflects on how handsome you are. We we have a position on this show where more than one guy could be handsome. I just want to make sure that's very clear. Both of them are dreamboats. Both of them are dreamboats. Frankly, Helly left town, so Cameron has the unquestioned title now, undisputed. Helly were to come back, they'd have to fight in a cage match for it. I think that's the way it goes. I think that's that's uh, yeah, science there. Another handsome gentleman is waiting for us on the BetQL guest hotline. So let's get to it. The former uh Dan Quinn disciple in Atlanta who played defensive end as part of his defense. He was with uh, Quinn for three-plus seasons in Atlanta. Of course, in Houston, Arizona, Tennessee as well. Brooks Reed, former pass rusher in the National Football League, joins us now. Brooks, thanks for the time on Grant and Danny here in D.C. How are you? Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen, and uh, I appreciate it. And, you know, I haven't been on the radio in a long time. (laughs) I've been retired for a few years now, but... uh, Always happy to talk about my man, uh, Dan Quinn. So, And I didn't find out until you guys messaged me. So that's really cool. Oh, oh that's awesome. So you're, you are unplugged a little bit on the NFL. But it's funny. You get a text. You're like, wait, what? DC? Radio? Yeah, What's I, going I immediately on? looked it up. I was like, really? Holy crap. You know, because I don't really pay attention much. But, you know, so thank you guys for updating me. <laughs> well, our pleasure. Happy to do and, it, yeah. Yeah, we wanted to tap into your expertise here. We figured you could help us because, you know, as a second-round pick, you had success in the league. Out of here, he had a half dozen sacks. You played for plenty of coaches. But Dan Quinn, for the bulk of your time in Atlanta, was running that team. Washington just hired him. What are they getting? Yeah. Well, I'll be watching Washington more, you know. And I, you know, a lot, I watched a lot of Dallas games just because Dan Quinn was there. And uh, he, I, he, I know he has a, even though he wasn't a head coach there, he had a huge, I know he had a huge influence on their um, their defense and uh you know, what they ran and the stunts they ran up front. And, uh, you know, I know, you know, he's a player's coach to the max. You know, guys love to play for him. So uh, Washington should be excited about uh, that acquisition for sure. Brooks, there are, there are a lot of good people out there. And, and and here's where I'm going with this. Like, my neighbor's a really nice guy. He volunteers and does stuff with, like, youth sports. He shouldn't be coaching a professional football team. Like, what's the difference between someone that's, like, a good guy that people want to play for and just, like, a regular good guy that, that might help you take out your trash when you go out of town? Right, exactly. You know, and when people talk to Dan Quinn, you know, everyone's first impression is like, man, he's a great guy and he's passionate. He's a player, man. He's an ex-player, and and he's got that that killer mentality in him, and he knows what that dark side is. And I think that's why a lot of you know defensive guys can relate to him because you know that was like me, man. He got guys motivated big time, and you know you sit in a meeting with him, you know, in the mornings. Some meetings can last you know half an hour. He's trying to drive home a message, a different message every single day, and finding you know. Uh, a reason to go out there and, and practice as hard as you can, you know, and when, it, when he was in Seattle, you know, you'll talk, if you talk to any like Seattle guys, I mean, those practices were lit, man. Those, those practices were games, you know, the guys jobs are, you know, guys are fighting for their jobs, even in practices, you know, it's, it's no joke, you know, and, um, and that's the element that he brings to teams and uh, he just brings it out in guys, man. He finds, guys uh, strengths and weaknesses really fast and then uses them accordingly to the game plan and creates 
certain mismatches in the game and um, does a great job with that. And uh, he doesn't care how guys get home to the quarterback. You know, uh, he doesn't care what kind of moves. So he lets guys use their imagination and, and come up with ideas for him to use too. And, you know, he's very open-minded coach. He's not hard-headed. You know, he's not old school. You know, I've had old school coaches who it's, you know, it's like my way or the highway. You know, he's very um, open to, you know, what guys think and using their expertise too, because, you know, the players watch a lot of damn film too. And he knows that, you know, and uh, so that's, that'll be uh, fun for them. (laughs) Yeah. I think players are definitely going to enjoy it. I mean, everybody we seem to talk to raves about him, both coaches, players, I mean, he doesn't really have detractors, so to speak, but you know, my concern is I look at Atlanta and I see that after the Kyle offense show leaves and Ryan's no longer the MVP, it was 24 and 29 the rest of the way. And it just wasn't the same. Right. I guess, what would you say about like how things kind of went sideways there and why it might go differently here in his second chance? Are you talking about after I left? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. right. We have a correlation yeah, there, there, right? There is a correlation, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know. You know, it, you can't just put blame on a uh, head coach just because the team, you know, doesn't, you know, find success uh, the years, you know, later you know and uh it's, it's hard to say you know i i think teams that do well in playoffs and make it to super bowl they're all healthy at the at the end of the year you know their playmakers are healthy they're in the game you know they're not sidelined they're you know and um there's a lot of different pieces you know like some coordinators leave you know like you said and you see that dip in performance so and that could be another thing you know there's a reason why you know uh, some of those years were very successful. We had Dan Quinn, we had Kyle Shanahan, we had Matt LaFleur, we had M- Mike McDaniel, we had Raheem Morris, we had Jeff Ulbrich, you know, we have all guys that are now head coaches and coordinators. So, you know, he had a lot of damn experience on that end. And, you know, I know he'll bring in, you know, guys that have that same level of expertise and that um, potential to be a head coach someday in the NFL or coordinator, whatever, whatever whatever you want to call it. So Brooks Reed with us here on Grant. Danny, a uh, longtime NFL player, played for Dan Quinn uh, for years in Atlanta. So let's just, I mean, I don't know how to better way to phrase this, Brooks, but let's say like the ending wasn't particularly great for him in Atlanta, right? Last couple of years, 7-9, and 0-5, then, then he moves yeah. on. What do you think yeah. lessons learned are? Kind of, you know, kind of piggybacking of what we are just talking about, where you'd go, hey, if you do this again, you should do X, Y, Z. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, you know, when, when I was there, at least when I ex- experienced success, um, both sides of the ball were kicking ass, you know, and especially, you know, offense, you know, with Julio Jones and, you know, Matt, Matty and, you know, they, he told those guys to let loose and like, don't, you know, hold back, you know, screw these guys. And it became personal every weekend. And maybe some of that towards the end didn't become as personal, you know, and um, just some of the, you know, messages weren't as strong as, I don't know, as when, when we were strong back in 16 and 17. And, and uh, so I, I, I can't tell you for sure, you know, what those lessons would be because I wasn't there. You know, I still have guys like Grady Jarrett that were there. And um, but those guys, you know, those guys are playing hard no matter what. They just want to make their coaches happy and execute the plan. So sometimes it comes down to the plan that, you know, is, is being executed it just wasn't, you know, just executed correctly. And 
Brooks Reed spent almost half of his 10-year NFL career uh, in Atlanta with the Falcons and under Dan Quinn for much of his stretch, joining us here on Grant and Danny. Hey, before we let you go, and it's great insight on the new commander's head coach, I guess my last question would be, what's the calling card? What What is the carrying trait, if you will, for Quinn? Is it the, the leadership, like everybody loves him intangible that everyone talks about? Or do you think mm-hmm. it is the X's and O's defensively that have made him so successful? I mean, I'd say both, man. I mean, he takes command of, of, of the team room. You know, he's he's running all the damn uh, meetings, and, you know, he's in, incorporating a lot of coaches into that. And, you know, he spends a lot of damn time, you know, coming up with these messages and these – and and uh, in these meetings. And, you know, he, he spends a great deal of time and effort. It's, and I've had some coaches that don't do that, you know, and you kind of lose a little respect in the locker room. but you can just tell how much this guy cares about, about ball and, you know, um, and him being naturally a defensive guy, you know, he's going to be spending a lot of time in the D line room and getting those guys situated first, you know, cause those guys are, you know, he knows how important it is to have a good pass rush. And, you know, I don't know what, what Washington's position in the draft is, but, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that he'll want to be taking a, a nice pass rusher, especially knowing, you know, he you can guys do that after he gets a us a quarterback. We need a QB. Two, Brooks. Brooks. Number two overall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, really appreciate you joining us, buddy. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks Good for insight. On. Wanted to get a couple of people on who have played for Dan Quinn. Appreciate Brooks Reed joining us here on Grant and Danny. They need a pass rusher, by the way. There's no doubt about that. And that is going to be either a priority in free agency or in the draft. For as much as we talk about quarterback at two, and, and that needs to happen first. Uh, whether it's one of those picks in the top 40 mm-hmm. or not, if they got to go get a defensive end. When they traded Chase Young, I'd say that deal looks pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. When they traded Montez Sweat, and even though he had a really good finish to the season in Chicago, I still think getting a top 40 pick for a guy, you didn't necessarily want to pay elite money and having that extra cap space and, and all of the uh, flexibility moving forward from a salary standpoint, I think was a win. I think that was the right thing that they did with the ownership group and Shen. But now you don't have pass rush. None of the guys that that rushed after that, whether that was Two Hill, Hill or Smith Williams, yeah. and all, you know, they did okay. They were, you know, they're serviceable. You need more impactful players there, depth pieces, but they they were not consistently making plays. There was one game where they played uh, Danny DeVito, and they got a <laughs> bunch of sacks. But other than that, they basically went the rest of the season with like a sack here or there every couple of weeks. And it was usually didn't feel like it was. You know, beat the guy in front of you, rip move, get to the quarterback, you had no chance. It felt like quarterback meandering around. Coverage was decent that time. And somebody ends up with him, you know, a yard shy of the line of scrimmage as he's trying to scramble. But yeah, they need more impactful players there without a doubt. I mean, that's just, they just do. Um, I think you got to find that sweet spot, though, between super high top of the, uh, top of the market sort of free agent there where the expectations, you know, super high. Versus that good value. I mean, again, my my pipe dream is the Hassan Reddick type signing that Philadelphia managed to do for a guy that nobody seemed to want. Got picked over a dozen times. Had more than 15, 16 sacks as part of a great defense. You can find the seven to nine sack pass rushers out there. As Jadavion Clowney just signed with Baltimore did that. The Yannick Ngakwe's of the world are always seem to be available. But that's something that I think they need to find this year. In addition to maybe drafting a couple of guys, you can always find some decent pass rushing help. And I think they should. Here's what we're going to do as we reset now the conversation on Grant and Danny on the fan and get ready to hit the phones and hear from you guys as Dan Quinn's been hired as the head coach 
of the Commanders, the former D coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. By the way, one element we haven't mentioned very much, that the weakening of Dallas is a good thing. It is nice. The fact that the Cowboys may be the best coach in their building, certainly the most revered coach in that building, has been taken. Now, McCarthy is not the boob that everyone wants him to be. He had a pretty good year running that offense. But Dan Quinn was kind of the player whisperer there. He was very influential in that building, had a lot of power. Uh, and within players, uh, he was probably the most popular guy. He was the good cop, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think losing him is going to be significant for Dallas. And that's not why you make this decision. You don't do that if you're the commanders just because you know Dallas pays the price. But if you went and got Aaron Glenn from the Lions, doesn't affect the Cowboys any. Dan Quinn still – they were bringing him back. They made that clear last week. If he doesn't get a head coaching job, he's going to be the defensive coordinator. So I do think that that is something that needs to be acknowledged is – When you can benefit, which is what they think they're doing, when you can make your decision that you want, and oh, by the way, on the other side of it is a team that's now hurt, that's your arch rival in your division that you're chasing, it's a double whammy. Yeah, that's that's not a bad consolation prize, right? I mean, you don't want to make that the sole reason for your decision, right? But it it can be a certainly nice bonus, and I think that's where that would lie for me. Maybe a tiebreaker of sorts. I don't even know if I would label it quite that high on the list. All right, but here's the next question we're going to get to, Danny. I want one word to describe the hiring of Dan Quinn as the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. You went through four years of Rivera. You get to the end of the year. They blow him out on the eighth. They start their search, and 23 days later, after no Ben Johnson and no Mike McDonald and going round and around in the circuitous lastings millage route to a fly ball, Hmm. you get yourself an announcement today. Shocker, it was Schefter, who every step of the way was getting those texts. I'm so full because I've been fed so many lines from front offices. What is your one word on the Dan Quinn hiring? Uninspired. That's my succinct word. The process led me to feel, okay, That's there's an, there's an ending. It's like you're going through the maze or you go through the advent calendar and there's somebody already ate the candy at the end. You know, like we went through this big process and it's someone they could have hired three weeks ago if they were really excited. All right, so Danny's word is uninspired. I'll give you mine next, and we're going to hit the phones. Grant and Danny, it is, whether you like it or not, unfortunately, feel the excitement. Catch it. Dan Quinn Day. Here we go. In the nation's capital. I think each moment is a, or each year, I guess it's its own unique opportunity. And uh, so for me, certainly uh, part of my reason of wanting to be back here was to, you know, get a chance to coach these guys and go for it. And that's why over the last, you know, month or so, we've really been pushing each other hard to make sure that all of our stuff gets aligned like we want. Because uh, when you get in here, there's only 14 teams in a tournament. And then, as you said, the strong get to move along. And so you want to make sure you're at your strongest, you're at your best, but I try to not look too far down. There's just this game. And uh, it just honestly goes better that way than to, if we get four games from the three games from now, like, man, we just got to play this weekend and fight our asses off. And uh, if we do that, uh, you know, it gives us our very best chance to play like we want to play. That was Dan Quinn ahead of the playoff game with the Packers. We will not discuss what happened in that game. We don't need to do that. 
If you want some uh, like football cowboyisms, some old school coaching mentality stuff, you're gonna get some. You're gonna hear about the low man winning, <laughs> right? <laughs> like yeah. early and often, bro. We're gonna bring our lunch pail. There's gonna be some of that coming your way in Ashburn. Grant and Danny on the fan. The Commanders have a brand new head coach. It's Dan Quinn. He has coached in a Super Bowl, so they make it two consecutive coaching hires of guys who has coached in a Super Bowl. Comes without having, obviously, won the title, but that's elusive. That's hard to do. I want to get into offense versus defense a little bit next hour and uh, how you can make this work. You don't go with the the trend that seems to be you know, what is thriving in the league. Fine. There's exceptions to the rule. How do you make this work? How do you thread this needle? But right now the question is, at 800-636-1067 and on social, you can hit us up at Grant H. Paulson at Funny Danny. We want a word describing how you feel about the hire of Dan Quinn. Uninspired for me. If, you know, if he had blown their socks off two weeks ago or something and they jumped at the chance and they said, you guys don't understand, this is unbelievable, he's great, he he blew us away, we couldn't say no, I know there are other choices out there, but boom, whatever, figuratively, right? I could say, okay, I understand that. At the end of this process where he clearly was not their first choice, to sort of land on a guy that seven other teams passed on feels uninspired. Doesn't mean it's bad. It just feels uninspired. Thwarted. 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 Good word. I feel like this was an opposition of my thing. I feel like I was prevented of, of accomplishing something. So I was probably thwarted by Ben Johnson. I've been thwarted many times. I feel like I was thwarted by the, this group that I put so much trust <laughs> in. I still believe in Harris Ownership Group. I still think Adam Peters is going to be a star. But I, for the first time, they've let me down a little bit in hoping that they would just always see things exactly my way, do things exactly as I want them done. I'm kidding a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm saddened, I suppose, is another word. Now, I will save you. There's a story written on thefandc.com from a couple weeks ago that probably will not age very well for me in the years ahead. Not to say that you know Quinn's going to go win Super Bowls or whatever, but it just looks like uh, dramatic looking back. But it's how I felt, and I still don't take it back. I said I would be crestfallen. I would be devastated. You know, I would be uh, apoplectic. And all of these things are really, truly, legitimately in some way still true. But that was when we were talking about if they named Dan Quinn the coach. Mm -hmm. And the hypothetical was like they chose him over Ben Johnson. You get what I'm saying? Yes, I do. I would have been crestfallen and devastated and livid and outraged and apoplectic and all of those things if they would have chosen him over Ben Johnson. They didn't. Ben Johnson said no. So in a world where you can't hire Ben Johnson, now I have to regroup. I wanted Mike McDonald. Then this is a world where you couldn't hire uh, – did I say Ben McDonald? I hope I didn't. The pitcher for someone the did that yesterday too, and I get it. Like when, As the guy that botches the names all the time, if there's someone else in my brain with something similar, yeah. I think I probably said Ben McDonald a handful of times too. There Mike was a lot McDonald. of Ben McDonald in my life for a long time. When I went to Mike McDonald, he, he's gone now. Okay, I have to regroup. So if you keep taking away my number one option, eventually mm-hmm. you've beaten me into submission <laughs> to the point where I can't get that energetic over it. And that's kind of where we're at. I, I don't have the ability for crestfallen and devastated anymore. Saddened, thwarted, those would be my words. It can work. I'm here to tell you guys, even though I'm the one pointing out that this is probably not the most Efficient way, like they chose, Danny. There is a path. Mm-hmm. You don't definitely get to get there. There are monsters in your way that you're going to potentially crash. There's fire you have to drive through. Yep. That's called how hard it is just to win in general. But there's a straight shot that if you go this way, there's like a you know a 39 percent chance you get there. 
they have elected to go a path where there's like a 17% chance to get there, mm. where there's more monsters and there's more fire and your car's inevitably going to break yeah. down. And so the, you, you, you looked at the 39% and you're like, eh, we like this other one. And now you went with the 17% path. Here we go. Here we go. In the words of Al Michaels, <laughs> here we go. By the way, do you know what I'm steamed up for? What's that? I just found out that we're going to have Mad Dog Russo on Grant and Danny from Radio Row next week. That high-energy maniac is going to be sitting right in front of me at Radio Row. What if he comes on as subdued? Like, what if he's like, you know what, I have to save my energy for my show. That would be devastating. Can you, can you imagine, yeah. like, a, a calm him? Well, I have never seen it. Here's my the only thing, my only priority in that interview, to be completely honest. Uh-huh. We'll also talk about the game and the Super Bowl in sports. Yeah. Is I want to remind him of the time that he called a microphone. A microphone glass. Microphone glass. He was talking about a microscope. Oh, no. Or was it a, a magnifying glass? Microphone glass. He, I don't know if he, what he was talking about. We need to find the, the original reason he said yeah. it. But we need to play that audio and get to the bottom Mr. of it. Mr. Dog, sir. What did you mean? Microphone glass. He's like, well, you know, when you're looking for something and you put it underneath of it and you're trying to find the chromosome and it's a microphone glass. Microphone glass. So I, <laughs> we'll ask him about Patrick Mahomes, too. But also, but mostly this. That <laughs> I I think he's gonna yell a lot. I've definitely never interviewed him. Me neither. I don't. I've talked to him once, maybe, but I've never met him in person. So I'm weirdly excited. Just not even really, frankly, to have him on the show to talk sports. Just to play that clip for him and to get to the bottom. of We it. saw him from afar at one of the Super Bowls we I'm were sure at. Sure, we did. Remember in the time before time when we all went? But like. We definitely did. He, he was, I think he was doing either Fox Sports 1 show or something. Guy, you can't do when we all went. You had the ability to go this year. Yeah, like when like the company would say, you guys should go. Sure. That's kind of what I mean. But if you wanted to go, you could, you're you doing like, I'm leaving you behind bit. Oh, no, I didn't mean that. Okay. I didn't mean that at all. I meant like you when they when we all go. I think someone listening could take that let, let me, the wrong way. Uh, uh, let me be clear. Like, like I was like, I will go to the Super Bowl no. and Danny, you stay no. here. No, that's an inference. That's Danny an, doesn't like fun. He said, it's in Vegas. I'll be on the strip all week. Mm-mm. I'm definitely not going. No, sir. That's not Did what he happens. bounce? That's Shut up, Danny. I'm talking to Grant. Shut up. Where was yeah, I? Yeah, they do. Shut up, man. Uh, no, that was basically a way to say we used to go to like things like spring training, yes. Super Bowl. Like The company would be like, you guys should go to like that. the real travel. That's I yeah. meant that. I didn't mean that I you were just, like abandoning me listen, and like don't care about me anymore. I know what you meant. Ten years, you stay behind, idiot. Like I didn't mean that. There were people listening, and they don't know what you're saying. You're right. That's why I clarified. I think it's a good thing that we clarified. Mm-hmm. Don't even bring that up, okay? That's Coach, right, Ron. He's back. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. He's got my back after everything I've said. Huh? Do not start something that's not there. We miss you, Coach. Right, Ron? You heard what he did. Hey, Grand Danny, how you doing? He's got to be fired up, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, he loves it. He's got to be. There's a chance for guys like me, there really are. He's like, they liked what I, they liked what they saw in me. It's like if a girl breaks up with you, but then she gets with a guy right after you that looks and acts exactly like you. Really, she liked you. Something, you know, weird happened. Right. You probably screwed it up, but she was into the concept of you. The idea of Uh you, she likes. Yep. Very limited. Let's go to Mark in Largo. Hello, Mark. Hey, guys. Let me tell you. The words I feel is it's over, and I'm going to tell you why. Do you know how embarrassing this would have been for Adam Peters to go to the Senior Bowl and people coming up to him and say, hey, man, y'all get a coach yet? Some of them laughing in front of his face and some of them laughing behind his back. This was a panic move. That's all it was. Now, let me say this. 
the most important thing is coming up in two and a half months is a draft. Yeah. Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, and of course, Drake May, because someone here at the station loves Drake May. I'm not going to say no name, Grant Paulson. Anyway, um, and that is the most important pick we got to do. Whoever it is, even if it's Drake May, which would make somebody extremely happy at the station, it would be good. But, Danny, I want to say one thing, man. As a fellow Gen X guy, being myself mm-hmm. and you, the abuse you take every day from a millennial, and God, and he's a smart millennial, one of the smartest people I know, mm-hmm. period. You can understand why he wanted someone in their 30s <laughs> to be the new head coach. You know this, right? You know this, right? Well, I mean, it certainly is the, it is the running trend. The, the, the septuagenarians didn't fare as well in this hiring cycle, uh, I will say. Or, and even guys in their in their 50s, like the, the Mike Vrabels of the world. Maybe he's close to 50. I don't know what it is. But this, again, is kind of going against what everyone else is doing. It's a lot of recent former young players, a lot of Antonio Pierce, Gerard Mayo, uh, D'Amico Ryans. The, the, we moved on from the do you look like Sean McVay with a flat top uh, and abs. It's now did you play in the league in 2017? That's the new thing. That's the new hotness. So this is, this is counter to any trend that you had do, going this way. Let's go to Chuck and Reston on Grant and Danny. Chuck, what is your word to sum up how you feel about this hire? First of all, I want to say, Grant, Danny, love you guys. Long-time listener. My wife is listening. We always listen to you guys all the time. Oh, Aren't you sweet? Word, the word is disastrous. Mm. And I'm going to tell you why. Because obviously we haven't learned from Redskins' past history of how to hire and how not to hire a coach. All right? L- hear me out. So we've had a Redskins coach before who was former a Dallas Cowboy, right? We had North Turner. When did we learn from that? Nothing. Then on top of that, we hired a coach that had been a coach before, and he wasn't that successful where he was before. Uh, if you take away Dan Quinn's years in Atlanta when they didn't have um, uh, the, the quarterback, uh, Matt Ryan, yeah. he sucks. If you go back to him um, coaching by himself, he's not that good. If you go to his time in Dallas, well, look at their defense. They got one of the best players in the de- on defense in the, on the earth right now in Parsons. So my thing about this is you went and you got somebody who you knew was safe. You didn't go out there and, and get a young uh, um, OC somewhere like all the ones we gave away. And, and by mentioning that, he can't beat none of those dudes. And that's who we're going to have to play against, the Green Bays, the uh, the um. The, uh, the um whoever has a, a 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. actually a good point, by yeah. the way. Uh, it was a great call. Thank Appreciate you, buddy. I, I was going to stop you when I disagreed with something. Well, but this you is good. Were rolling there. Kick my feet uh, up. He he, uh, he crushed it. But he, he hit something at the end that we haven't talked about. And this is way inside baseball and probably like should be day 19 of breaking down the Dan Quinn hire. Mm-hmm. But man, did they struggle against the elites in this conference. Like when his defense went up against Kyle Shanahan, their lunch got eaten. Yeah. When his defense went up against Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, ascending with Jordan Love, their lunch got eaten. When they went up against Philly, you know, that, that was not a favorable, fun matchup for them. Eagles moved the ball, scored points. I don't care as much about the defensive production, to be honest with you. I care more about his offensive staff, the quarterback picket two, developing that player. But I think that that is at least a relevant point, probably. Mm-hmm. 
is is that yeah the the Cowboys offense was top five when they leveled up and played a varsity schedule this year it wasn't nearly as good I will point out on Dan Quinn's behalf because I think it's only fair to do this they were super banged up too oh yeah a lot of injuries some of their best players lost for the season secondary linebacking core uh, so that's got to be noted. Yeah, and Parsons is a stud who actually lives up to being a stud, not just a stud on paper where you're going, why doesn't Deron Payne have more sacks? Or why doesn't Chase Young have more sacks? Or what's going on with John Allen? You don't have to do that. 14 sacks, stud, well, star. Also, doesn't Dan Quinn get credit Should for Micah Parsons? I mean, Micah Parsons was drafted as like a, a linebacker. The guy's now an edge. He's, he's legitimately a defensive end. He's not even like a, you know, when you think of an outside linebacker, in a 3-4 or something, it's a tweener. He's like a legitimate 43N hand in the dirt, basically. And they've made that transition. To his credit, he's an alien set from another planet to get to the quarterback. Yeah, 40 sacks in three years to start your career ain't bad. But I give Dan Quinn credit for his development. Like, I'm not going this hard in the paint or anything, but Ryan tweeted today, and it actually was kind of, I think he was half joking, but it's actually pretty interesting. He was like, this could help Jamin Davis as a pass rusher, and maybe they can move use him differently. The one thing Jamin Davis has done at a very high level since he got here is generally go downhill toward the quarterback. You remember that early, wasn't this year, it was the year before, where he blitzed a bunch in the first handful of weeks, had like three sacks in the first five weeks? It was, I think it was 20, the 22 season at the beginning. And then they're like, nah, we should probably stop doing that for whatever reason. Maybe other guys got healthy, et cetera. But yeah, having him try to read and react is, it seems to be a waste of time. Use the speed. I'm, I'm, all in fa- I'm all in favor of new ideas here. I've seen a couple of the Cowboys players today on social media showing that they're a little disappointed Good. that they lost Dan Quinn. So Good. If you're not happy, that's fine. Take solace in the fact that there are Cowboys players today that are upset that their favorite coach is going to Washington, D.C. What word sums up how you feel about DQ to D.C.? Danny, are we okay with DQ? You didn't like Ra for Raheem. <sighs> I know DQ kind of goes against your core. Mm, you're asking a great Dan question. Quinn, a sound it's it's a hard to say. Um, it, it sounds like a just an everyman. I think mm-hmm. DQ. I don't know. Then I hate it when I say it more. Yeah, when you say it out loud, here's the, here's the, my distinction. If I if I may, it's when people that cover the team, uh, people that want to pretend they're more familiar with him and they're more inside than you and I. When they're like, you know, I was talking to DQ the other day. You weren't. You weren't. You were talking to Coach Quinn or Dan Quinn. See what I'm saying? That's so the part we, I resent. Are we okay saying DQ or no? We can do DQ bits on the show. Like, we can have blizzards yeah, and we course. can do DQ. But I'm saying when I reference, like, uh, this was DQ yesterday at the podium, you're, you don't want that. Mm. See, I'm okay, I'm okay with that as, like, a shorthand, but it's it's the... Think about it. Yeah. I'll get the final answer from yeah, you I'm next. I'm taking too long. Grant and Danny on the fan. Congratulations to Chris Russell. It is his day. It's his day. Gentlemen. This is a Darius Dameron, Ryan Clary production. We are Grant and Danny. You are listening to the fan. We're taking you up to 630 this evening, keeping it live and local in the DMV. We are all over D.C. and Richmond right now, wherever you are on the Odyssey app. We've been getting calls from states outside of the area. It's a big news day for yeah. the commanders. Uh, Dan Quinn is the new head coach in D.C. Bill Barnwell's going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes. He of ESPN NFL fame. You see him on NFL Live. You read his work on ESPN.com. We'll get his take on this hire. And 
Now, what needs to go differently for Dan Quinn to work in his second stint uh, better than he did in his first stint? That is going to be our topic at the top of the hour. But right now, you're filling in the blank. The word that describes your feelings today on the hire, David and Reston, what's up? Hey, uh, hey guys. Uh, listen, my first word was going to be repeat, but Chuck from Reston stole my thunder. He mm. took my idea. So then I changed it to... Uh, then I changed it to burglary because of that, but now I'm changing it to cursed. And let me tell you why. Uh, if you take a look at the similarities between the Alex Smith injury and the Joe Theismann injury, where it was, the position of the game, the defender, a lot of eerie similarities to that that kind of you know, showed that Washington might have been cursed. The last time, just like Chuck said, he's probably in my back door right now, just like Chuck said, the last time Washington changed ownership hands, we hired – a Dallas coordinator as our head coach. Now we're doing it again. We changed ownership hands and we're hiring a Dallas coordinator once again as our head coach. You know, so could we be superstitiously doomed to repeat it? Uh, I don't know. Hey, my 11 year old son here is with me. It's the first time on the radio. Can you give a shout out? Go quick. Hurry up. Hi, uh, I just, my dad made me a new Commanders fan and I just wanted to say go Commanders. Yeah. Love it, dude. Left hand up. Who are we? Maybe they'll change the name, but yeah, I'm excited for you, buddy. <laughs> you couldn't even give the kid a left hand up. No, there's no reason to do that. It's soon. By the way, I would love it if they combine the Dan Quinn announcement with something for the fans. Like FYI, this isn't going to be. You're not, not going to deal with this much longer. Hey, we know that the the whole coach thing didn't excite <laughs> you, but as an aside, new name by the way. I do think there. It might be next year. Certainly not this offseason, next year, the year after. I think they will change the name, and I don't think it's going to be a two-year dog and pony show. I think it'll be like the Guardians thing, where one day there's just like a tweet that drops, and Matt McConaughey narrated some video, and they're like, in 1980, we locked a thing called a hog, and now we're the hogs. And I like it's going to go like that, and we're going to be like, oh, man, that's better. That's better than that's the last thing. That's way better. Tony's in Long Island. What's up, brother? Hey, guys. How are you? Good, bud. Um... I was going to say uninspiring, but I'm really starting to trend towards depressing. Um, it's how we got here. You know, when, when, when Dan Snyder sold the team, you know, we were hoping for something different. And this whole process was so Snyder-esque. Like, it feels like we're still in that bubble. And it's, and it's also how we got here. You know, when Sean Payton was looking for a job, he said Washington ownership, new ownership, was reaching out to him. So it was like, oh, wow, we're really swinging for the fences. And you heard Belichick, and you heard Harbaugh, and then you heard Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald, and all this was going on. And it's like, wow, we're really trying to swing for the fences and change everything. And the wheel was turning, and we land on Dan Quinn. And, and here's the thing that why Quinn's going to fail. Now, you guys know he's going to fail. I know he's going to fail. We know he's going to fail. We're forced to digest something that we know is not going to work. And here's why he's going to fail. I've never seen a head coach take a job with this amount of uh, the small amount of equity that he has with his fan base and with ownership. He has no equity. Well, here's the equity he has, Tony. Don't you think he has equity with the owners because they this is their first big move. It will look terrible if it doesn't work. So they'll give him all the resources. They'll give him all the time. Same with Peters. 
they'll give them all the resources. I agree with you, but they're going to be looking for a way out if this doesn't go right. And I give it two years max. If he's, look, let me ask you this, guys. If he's, let's say, um, he gets four wins and then five wins, and the quarterback's looking good, you think he still comes around for year three? Well, no. I think if you haven't won six games within a couple seasons, it might they, be time. They yeah. should probably move on. But I mean, Josh Harris did all through the the. This is Mr. Patience. I mean, that was the yeah, he's process. Johnny process. So I I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. How does the quarterback look? How is he developing? What's going on with the staff? But it, I would imagine the expectation is that they. It's not that hard to win six games. Like six and eleven in this league. Within a couple of years, you should be able to get there. They got to hit on the quarterback pick, obviously, and his offensive staff has to be legit. Whether that is Clint Kubiak from San Francisco and another of the 49ers assistants to be named later. The offensive line coach hire, I think, is massive. That's something that doesn't get talked about enough. Mm. But the lifeblood of the, the offensive coaching staff often goes through the O-line and who's screaming at those guys and getting them going. So I think that becomes a really important critical hire for Dan Quinn. But they can't just say, oh, we got an awesome coordinator, and that's the end. Because as I have said in a way that is probably ad nauseum enough to annoy everybody, that coordinator will not be here for the long term if they're good. One of two things will happen. They're bad, and they'll be here for a while, or they'll fire them. They're probably not here that long. Or they're good, and they're gone. So it's not just, well, who's the hire? Everyone's excited. Oh, maybe he'll go get uh, Chip Kelly. If you go that route, it's possible that guy stays for a long period of time, Danny, mm-hmm. because he's not getting another head coaching job in the league, and it seems like he doesn't want to be a coach in college if he's coming here for an OC job. Mm-hmm. That's probably the only path to having a coordinator who's around for a while. What was the stat that Breer gave us? I don't remember the years, but it was something insane like there's not an offensive coordinator in the league that's been with his team more than three years right now or something like that. It was that. something to that effect, yeah. Because and I went, the, the good right. ones leave, mm-hmm. the bad ones get fired. Yeah. Like, there's no such thing there's as no in between. is good and hangs around. It doesn't happen. You, you have to, you know, find the sweet spot of a guy like Greg Roman who's not going to get a head coaching interview but has a very specific style of offense, which makes me scared. A Chip Kelly, someone with baggage, who would just be your OC. And even still, it's, it, it, it's a risk. The point is, and you've made this throughout, to your credit, it's not to say that it can't. It's just that it's harder. And signing up, for, signing up for harder. We signed be, up for harder. Just be willing you sign up for harder. Just yeah. Or just be understanding that's what you did. And if you're going to do this thing where you go defensive, try to find me D'Amico Ryans, man. Like, that was the Weaver-Glenn angle, right? The recent former player thing. Mm-hmm. D'Amico Ryans, the Texans signed up for harder. They may have just hit a home run with their quarterback, so nothing may matter. They may be the Bills with Allen and the Steelers when they had Big Ben, and they may still, defensive-minded, be able to win for years and years and years and keep their coach around because they've got a Hall of Fame-caliber quarterback. If C.J. Stroud is as good as he played this year, they sign up for harder, and they'll probably be okay. Yep. It's just so rare that you get that. Most of the time, you get Jonathan Gannon in Arizona right now or any of the other, you know, Dennis Allen in New Orleans, Matt Eberflus in Chicago, a bunch of guys who are sub-500 as head coaches. Uh, let's talk to Bill Barnwell of ESPN and NFL Live next on GD.
The eighth of eight teams hiring a coach in this cycle have struck. The commanders have landed Dan Quinn to run their operation. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the fan. We're taking you to 630 this evening, reminding you to kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit camlawyers.com, mention GND, score yourself a discount. That's camlawyers.com. When Darius told me our next guest was coming on the show today, I was both stunned and thrilled because this is, you know, in the movie Gone in 60 Seconds, there's a car that you can't steal. It's the Eleanor. It's called the Eleanor. This is one of my Eleanor guests. Emailed him many times. There was the weird ESPN, you know, non-ESPN thing for a long time. I think I could have booked Obama before we booked this guy. He is one of my favorite NFL analysts, writers, experts, very insightful. Bill Barnwell of ESPN is with us right now on the BetQL guest hotline. Bill, thank you for the time. It's Grant and Danny. How's it going? Hey, guys. I will say if President Obama does call in, I'm okay with you hanging up and taking that call. Instead. We will not. I've been waiting too long to talk with to the, Bill Mr. Barnwell. President, do you have an opening at 6, 6.15? Yeah. We got Bill on. We're breaking down some ball. Uh, what do you think of the Dan Quinn hire for Washington? I, I, I think I'm more positive than other people, but also still not as positive as I would have hoped. I mean, this is a guy who I do think has genuinely improved, a guy who, you know, the end was not pretty in Atlanta. They had become very one-dimensional on defense. They didn't seem to have many fresh ideas. Dan Quinn's defense in Dallas was different. It was multiple. They played more man coverage. It looked more modern. Um, he took over a defense that was abysmal. And granted, they drafted Michael Parsons, which goes a long way into improving a defense, but he got a lot out of the pieces they had there. But I look at the other options that were available in terms of defensive-minded coaches, people who had built programs, guys who were going to be, you know, taking over a franchise that, that you know, is restarting in so many ways this offseason. And I just look at Mike Vrabel and I look at Bill Belichick and I think, is Dan Quinn really better at this than either of those guys? And it's tough for me to say that the answer to that is yes. So, Bill, what's the best case for here? Well, I, I, I think you're hoping that you nail the offensive coordinator hire. If, if it's going to be Eric Enemy, if it's going to be somebody else, which uh, certainly, you know, he hired Kyle Shanahan to be his OC in Atlanta. That worked out pretty well in year two. Uh, but I think you're hoping for him to establish a culture. I mean, Dan Quinn has been a guy who in Atlanta, in Seattle, uh, and then of course, most recently with the Cowboys loved by his players felt like, you know, they, they, they bought into what he was building in each of those places. And I think that's the positive. I, I think you're, you're hoping that the defense takes a step forward. And I think you're hoping that, um, you know, you have a guy who has learned, I mean, uh, the guys I mentioned, of course, have been head coaches elsewhere, but, you know, compared to a Ben Johnson, compared to an Aaron Glenn, you know, those guys have not been head coaches before. Dan Quinn has, and he made mistakes. They were too confident in their in what they had done at times. I think they were, you know, they, they made it to a Super Bowl. I think they were not expecting to that year, and I think they really, you know, sort of bought into, okay, these are the guys who are going to be getting to the Super Bowl for the next three or four years, and that roster was not as talented as maybe they believed. So I think, you know, he's going to be a little more thoughtful, hopefully. But I think you're hoping for a guy who – you know, combines modern advanced defense with also some, you know, some experience building a culture and building an identity. Bill Barnwell of ESPN. Bill, one of the reasons this is turning into like the Chris Farley bit 
You know, where he just he's like, remember that movie? Do you remember? You, you remember that the one scene that was awesome. <laughs> but one of the reasons you're you're my guy to read and to listen to, and then I think you're one of the best breaking down football is you do these big picture things like a how we got here, where it's roster construction or you know a lot of those kind of uh, autopsy type things. And one of the things that I studied early in this process was what works and what doesn't in hiring coaches. And the data mm-hmm. for me is the data. It's very clear. Offensive-minded, play-calling head coaches in this era have dominated non-versions of that. There are exceptions mm-hmm. to the rule. It goes without saying. John Harbaugh, special teams coordinator in Baltimore. You've got longest-tenured guys like Tomlin uh, in Pittsburgh, McDermott now mm-hmm. in Buffalo, although he almost got fired this year. But of mm-hmm. the, you know, there's eight defensive-minded head coaches. If you count uh, the half season for Pierce last year, those guys combined to go 72 and 73. The last six of them that were hired have gone to combine 62 and 83. Like, I hated this process because they interviewed two offensive guys out of the building. There were six mm-hmm. defensive guys, and they landed on a defensive retread that feels like Ron Rivera again. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think we have to wait and see, but you're certainly making a fair case. The only thing I would say is, naturally, there's like a, there's an inflection point, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, if you can hire the best defensive coach available or the seventh best offensive coach available, I'm not saying that was the case this offseason, but let's say that was an example. You'd probably rather have the defensive coach. I mean, you look at Tomiko Ryans this year in Houston as a guy who, you know, wasn't a retread, first-time coach, but a guy who was certainly a defensive-minded coach, did not have a ton of experience, and came in, and obviously that franchise looks like they're in great shape now in terms of what C.J. Stroud and and the Texans did this offseason. So there should be a point where it flips back and you do want the defensive coach, but I think the other problem here is that it's not like they hired the top-ranked defensive coach. They were hiring, you know, with the fourth, fifth defensive coach from this cycle. Um, So I, I think that makes it tougher for me is the idea that you weren't getting your pick of the defensive coaches. And I think whenever you're the eighth team to hire a coach in an eight-team cycle, I think there's naturally going to be questions about whether you landed your guy, whether you landed your second-choice guy, your third-choice guy. And then I think on top of that, of course, Dan Quinn, you know, the last game we saw from Dan Quinn with the Cowboys was not pretty. So, Bill, here's here's where I'm feeling. And, again, I feel like we're talking a lot about our feelings and less, like, analytical information. He's just this he's just a helping session. us. I understand. Yeah. He's getting us through Dan Quinn Day in D.C. It's just, this is like your, your, your therapy call. Um, I could understand this, right? I'd feel better about this if they'd been blown away in an interview three weeks ago when they first talked to him, right. scheduled the second one right away, and even though I, I would have said, hey, what about some of these other minds? What about interviewing other guys? If they just had their socks blown off and we can't quit this guy because he's amazing and we hired him on the spot before all seven other teams passed yeah. over him, interviewed him also and didn't care, now it feels just like this is who's left. Well, we're going to take this person home from the bar tonight. It, it just feels uninspired. It doesn't feel like they landed on the thing that they really wanted to, even if they did. Yeah, I, I can't argue with you. But the only thing I can say is, we're terrible yeah. as a society at hiring NFL coaches. I mean, I remember last year, the guy we were saying, oh, not we, you and I, but just in general, people were saying, man, what a great hire that turned out to be was Doug Peterson with the Jaguars. And the Jaguars hired Doug Peterson. Because, sorry, the Jaguars were interested in hiring Nathaniel Hackett. And Doug Peterson was the guy they settled for after Nathaniel Hackett was hired by the Broncos because there was such a, uh, you know, a, a, a group of people who wanted to hire Nathaniel Hackett in multiple places. And Nathaniel Hackett was maybe the worst head coach um, I've seen 
covering in the NFL. That's not just second and second hockey, it's just the results are, are the results. So the only thing I would say is we're very bad at picking who's a good and the bad NFL head coach. And I, and I think with Dan Quinn, I can't argue with the logic. I mean, they were interviewing Ben Johnson. They were interviewing Aaron Glenn. You know, it wasn't like they were, like you said, sitting here and they, they met with Dan Quinn and said, okay, this is our dude. Um, maybe the process evolved. Maybe they're sitting here saying, okay, we're not going to make a bigger commitment. Maybe they're hiring him on a, a shorter term deal and they're going to see what happens. And in a year they'll be back in the market. Who knows? But um, it's fair to say this is not the sort of, you know, like Adam, when they hired Adam Peters, it was like, okay, this is the new, you know, the, the new path this franchise is being set upon. It felt like a monumental hire, a, a guy who was going to be, you know, the guy they really wanted to be in the building. It's certainly, I can see your point, tough to say that about Dan Quinn right now. Bill, to your point, as you said, we're bad at this. We we overreact in real time. I know I am uh, here in this moment. But of the eight coaches hired, who was your favorite? Who's the best fit? That's a good question. I I really like Jim Harbaugh with, with, with the Chargers where you're going out, you're getting a guy who took over a Niners franchise that was in shambles for a decade. And I mean, people don't remember now, but that year before that Harbaugh hire was Mike Singletary as head coach. They had the fans training. We want Derek Carr. You know, when when Alex Smith was struggling to start that season, a year later, Alex Smith is in the NFC Championship game. I think he made a lot of those players better. Um, and then I love Mike McDaniel going to the Seahawks, where you have a guy who, again, look at what the Ravens did. All the guys they had this year, like Arthur Marlette, Jadevian Clowney, Kyle Van Noy, guys who were on the street, you know, as as early or, or as late in the year as August or September, who were playing meaningful roles for the Ravens in the postseason. I think he made a lot of players better. And to me, that, that's the easiest mark of a good coach. If, if I see you either developing young players and having them improve dramatically or taking players who come join your organization and having them improve uh, based on where they were and what they were making elsewhere, I think that tells me you are a very good coach. We'll see what it is in terms of building a culture, in terms of you know managing the roster, all the other stuff that comes with being a head coach. But in terms of his ability to mold a defense, and have them playing at a championship level in a division, by the way, where you need a good defense, given how good the offenses are. I really like Mike McDonald going to the Seattle Seahawks. Bill Barnwell of ESPN on Grant and Danny. Uh, Bill, uh, specific to Ben Johnson, before we turn the page and get to the Super Bowl matchup with you, is he at risk of not being the bell of the ball at some point? I mean, he is now, last year was not quite to the extent of this year. Last year, he pulled his name with a couple of teams still interviewing him. This year, he, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say he went full Josh McDaniels, but the commanders <laughs> were on the plane on their way to Detroit when they found out that their favorite that they were expecting to hire was going back to Detroit. At, at what point does that start to hurt his stock a little bit? Well, depends on how he, how he does in Detroit, right? Like, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels was fired after a year and a half left the Colts at the altar and then still got hired as the Raiders head coach because an owner thought he could be a difference maker for that organization. Um, If he continues to coach at a high level, if the Lions continue to impress, he will still get interviews. People will not knock him. If they struggle, the chance could come and go. I mean, if you go back and look at any head coaching you know, uh, any list of possible head coaches from a decade ago, you're going to see guys who became head coaches. You're going to see guys who got opportunities. You're going to see a few guys who got five or six interviews and never got one. Someone like Brian Schottenheimer is a good example where he was a hot coordinator at one point. And then, you know, his time kind of came and went. he struggled a bit. Now he ended up having a career as a coach, which is great, but 
he never got that that head opportunity that I think a lot of people expected him to get at one point. So, you know, to me, um, as long as Ben Johnson is still doing a good job in Detroit, it's not going to be an issue. But if he struggles, absolutely. It could be a point where we're sitting here two or three years from now saying, hey, maybe he should have taken the opportunity while he had the chance. Bill, I almost forgot there's like the Super Bowl thing coming up pretty soon. That's a pretty big game, I suppose. Um, San Francisco, to me, has all the ingredients. They've they've sort of gotten by the last couple of weeks, but still they just look like the better team on paper. But then I keep doing this thing to myself where I go, yeah, but Mahomes. I don't know which way I'm leaning at, at this stage. What's your analysis tell you? So last time these two teams played, I was like, the Niners have a better defensive line. They're going to get a rush on Mahomes. You know, they're, they're, they're a better defense. They're a comparable offense. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not as good as Patrick Mahomes, but they have advantages so many other places on the roster. And for three quarters, guys, I felt so smart. I was like, man, I nailed this one. I'm such a good analyst. And then in the fourth quarter, Mahomes happened. And I felt like an idiot. And I felt like, oh, I spent the entire week picking the Niners when the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and the Niners have a quarterback. Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust to win a two-minute drill. So, as I sit here, I'm I'm thinking, okay, like the Niners have to be a significantly better team. Even though Mahomes is not the quarterback he was a few years ago, just in terms of the pieces around him, I think he's a different kind of quarterback. No worse, different than the guy he was, the offense they were running a few years ago. But he's been so efficient this postseason. And I think he, you know, you just trust him to make the plays when he needs to make the plays. And so to me, I think there's no chance he implodes. Uh, during the Super Bowl, but there is a chance Brock Purdy implodes. There is a chance he has a game like the one he had against the Ravens, where he throws four interceptions, they get behind early, and even though they've managed to come back each of the last two games, they don't come back for a third time. So I, I feel like I don't want to have to watch that game and root for the, the Niners for, for, for three and a half hours, so I'm leaning Chiefs so far. Bill, thank you very much for the time. It was great having you on the show. We appreciate it, and uh, we will catch up down the road. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Bill. Bill Barnwell, check him out. ESPN does a great job breaking the NFL down, not only as one of their national writers, see him on NFL Live and all their NFL programming. Uh, there was a report from Aaron Wilson, who covers the National Football League uh, in Houston for the Chronicle, I believe, that the Cowboys are going to be losing passing game coordinator Joe Witt Jr., who is expected to join Dan Quinn here in D.C. as his defensive coordinator. So we'll tell you about Joe Witt Jr. Again, this is just a report. We will work to corroborate this here in the next few minutes. But we'll tell you about who's expected to be the defensive coordinator. Frankly, you know, not unlike McVay running the offense, right. whoever's under him is his helper, so to speak, you know, organizing things. It's not to say it's an insignificant hire, but the D.C., while important, is not going to be nearly as important as the offensive coordinator. My guess is because you can't interview anybody from San Francisco until after the Super Bowl, that hire is going to wait. Know, a few days and probably not be imminent. But the report from Aaron Wilson is Joe Witt Jr. of the Cowboys going to join Dan Quinn, leaving as a pass game coordinator, could be in the running for the defensive coordinator job. We're Grant and Danny on the fan. Grant and Danny on the fan. Welcome back and thank you. For making the show part of your day. Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Washington Commanders. Just as you all had in the office pool coming into this process. Actually started to look like it could go that way a handful of days ago. Yeah. Really, 
before we knew Ben Johnson was going to say no to them, it seemed like they had an indication that things with Ben Johnson were starting to maybe unravel. And that's when you started to hear a lot more. Dan Quinn's a serious candidate, you know? Yep. Dan Quinn, they really like him. I'm, I'm serious this time. Well, they, might, were, they might do it. Your, to your point, there were clues to this puzzle that we didn't understand at the time, right? It's like one of those movies that's really creative where they were laying the breadcrumbs and then only at the end does it all kind of make sense when you put it in picture. So when the first time that, you know, Schefter's on a podcast or he's on the McAfee show going like, they need to take seriously the idea that it might actually not be Ben Johnson. It could be you know, you know, one of those two guys it's not going to be. Talking about, you know, McDonald to Seattle or, or Dan Quinn to Seattle and uh, Ben Johnson to Washington. And everybody's kind of going, well, 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 because that's not what we heard. But slowly but surely those seeds were planted and now McDonald to Seattle seemed further along now in retrospect than, than maybe we thought at the time. Uh, you know, Ben Johnson bowing out altogether didn't seem on the, on the table as of Monday, but yet here we are. Now all those puzzle pieces are fitting, and it seems like they kind of went, oh, crap, this is who it's going to be. I've been trying to work back and forth between two perspectives today as best I can. One, that this is not as bad as it feels in the moment for those of us that were hoping for the you know, offensive coach to be paired with the number two overall pick quarterback because you are getting a really bright defensive mind. You are getting a very respected leader. You are getting a guy that's going to be a good partner with Adam Peters, those are important things. Mm -hmm. You're getting a, a head coach who's not going to try to be GM, which was obviously important to them yep. in this process. Everybody in the league loves him. That That's not a bad thing. It can help recruit, recruit staff. It can help recruit players. You're getting a guy that I think can put together a really good staff. Like These are all very strong things that are good about Dan Quinn. And as I said earlier, Danny, as Adam Peters and the Marty Party and you know all of the commander's brass that's down in Mobile right now walks around and goes to the bars and, and goes and eats at the brick pit and all the things you do when you go to the senior bowl, people are coming up to them, high five and telling them, you got Dan, good for you. He's the best. You're going to love him. He's the man. Mm -hmm. DQ, Dano, ask him about the time we went to the Dairy Queen over on 4th Street in mm -hmm. Indianapolis before the combine. Everybody loves the guy. So that's all good. But I have been making the case of the idea of offense. So I, I wanted, I laid this out via Twitter today to just go through some numbers real quick. Uh, we have not done this on the show, but I, I tweeted this out. If you want to go check out, check it out. It's at Grant H. Paulson. I pinned this because I've had plenty of people over the last several weeks. We talked about this. Like, why are you so obsessed with offense? And so this is the trend that they are trying to buck. I'm not telling you defensive coaches can't win, but they're trying to go against type right now, so to speak. The Super Bowl this year, Danny, will be played between two offensive-minded head coaches for the fifth straight year. Non-Belichick, it's been eight years since a non-offensive head coach got to the Super Bowl. Eight years. Eight years. That's not nothing, right? Nope. I mean, a defensive-oriented head coach has not been to a Super Bowl with his team in eight seasons, other than the greatest of all time with Tom Brady sneaking in at the back end of their window. Uh, in the NFC, so Washington's trying to win that conference. Pretty relevant conference. The NFC title game has been competed by offensive head coaches in six straight years, 12 straight coaches. 13 of the last 14 coaches. And the only one that was defensive that got in, Mike Zimmer with Case Keenum at quarterback with the Vikings. They got in, remember, on that crazy Hail Mary to Stavon Diggs where there was a breakdown in the secondary. Otherwise, it would be seven straight years and 14 for 14. But instead, it's just 13 out of 14 coaches, NFC title game, offensive-minded. So my point is the proof's kind of in the pudding. Then I look at offense being more important than defense. Do you disagree with any of this? No. From 2002 to 2022, 20 years, 53% of the coaches in the league 
were offensive, yet 61% of the top five offenses were among you know, offensive coached teams, meaning if, if it's just equal, they should have 53% of them. Instead, they had 61%. So you were more likely to have a good offense if you had an offensive coach. Offense is more important. I care about that. Weirdly, you were also more likely to have a good defense if you had an offensive coach. This is over 20 years, from 02 to 22. Again. Yeah, that's the crazy number that jumped out at me from Neil Greenberg's piece uh, a few this, weeks yeah, ago. This is from yeah. the post of Neil Greenberg. Mm-hmm. 53% of offensive-minded head coaches, 53%, that's what they were in the league, and yet 55% of the top five defenses came from offensive. Meaning, again, more than should have been just based on the number in the league. More than their fair share, as I think how Neil wrote it. Uh, back to some of the things that, that are kind of my theories. Uh, even when you hit on a defensive coach, we've talked about the offensive guy leaving. So if you have an elite defensive mind, he's doing a great job. Vrabel, what happens then? Well, when LaFleur leaves, you got to go find someone. When Arthur Smith leaves, you got to go find someone. 13 and 21 and fired since he lost his offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Dan Quinn in Atlanta goes from the Super Bowl to 24 and 29 after Kyle left. His last three years, he was 7 and 9, 7 and 9, 0 and 5. Right now, D'Amico Ryan's after one year, last place schedule, surprising everybody, looked awesome. And I love D'Amico. I think he crushed it. I think he's a great coach. I'm happy for him. But I want to know what happens when Slowick. You probably got one more year of of Slowick, you'd think. Then what? Mm -hmm. Uh, There were eight coaches in the league this year that are defensive-minded. Nine, if you count Antonio Pierce, when he took over for a half season. Those coaches combined went 72-73 and this season. If you were a team with a defensive-minded head coach this year, you were 72 and 73 combined. None made the final four. Of the last six defensive coaches that have been hired to be head coaches, their career records are 62 and 83. And that counts 10 and 7 D'Amico Ryan's this past season. Danny, 62 and 83. Mm-hmm. There are two success stories that kind of punch hole in the theory. As I said, there's always going to be exceptions. It's not impossible. One is Mike Tomlin, who's 173 and 100 in his career. The other is Sean McDermott who is 73 and 41. Tomlin has not won a playoff game. Pittsburgh has not won a playoff game in seven years, mostly because their offense stinks. That's right. He's got a great defense. He's a great coach. They get to the playoffs just about every single year. They never lose. No losing records, but they can't win. Why? Because they don't have an offense. McDermott, similarly, defensive-minded head coach, was on the hot seat, almost got fired this year. They kept McDermott. Actually liked McDermott. They have won nothing meaningful with Josh Allen. Peak of his powers, apex quarterback, you know, one of these great MVP types every year sent from another planet. They've had this, what is it, three- or four-year window? Yeah. They haven't even been to a Super Bowl. Now, you could just chalk that up to Mahomes is good. But my point is, I got some questions there, right? I mean, those, but those are the two success stories, so to speak. So I guess my, my summation is, I'm not telling you Quinn can't win. I'm not saying defensive coaches can't. What I am saying is, you always try to give yourself the best chance. Mm-hmm. And this hiring cycle, their idea was to not do that. When you pick Dan Quinn, you have elected not to take the best opportunity or, or what has worked the most over the years. That's where I'm at. That's kind of me resting my case. I'm moving on. I hope they're right, and I hope we all get to eat blizzards together after a Super Bowl. And, and those are numbers right there. And I think that's the most important part of it is if you're like me, who's nowhere near as hardline as you on this, I go – Yep, those numbers certainly paint a picture. You 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 could pretend they don't exist, willfully put your fingers in your ears and yell la, 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 but those are significant things. So to me, I don't want to say it's arbitrary because it's not, but it's, it's instructive. I broaden my search. Like, I would trade places with the Buffalo Bills like that. I know they haven't yet. 
But to me, it's a yet instead of can't. Right? Yes, you've run into a buzzsaw I a few totally times. I totally agree. And, I, I right. think they can win the Super Bowl. I, I do too. And, and I but, think if Josh, I think if you pick Josh Allen at two, Danny, mm-hmm. so can Washington with Dan Quinn. Right. That's kind of my point. They got Josh Allen, so he breaks the rules. And so my my thesis is. If all things are equal in a vacuum, I would prefer offensive mind because of ease of logistics and things to anything else. But I sort of I sort of broaden it to not offense or defense, but anybody that's not the archetype, that's not the young offensive mind with a flat top that looks like Sean McVay. I'll take Jim Harbaugh out of that group. I'll take a guy that was or, or no, excuse me, I meant John, that's plucked out of relative anonymity that turns into a long-standing uh, just bullish head coach that always has his teams competitive. I mean, look at this year, for example. Todd Bowles took a mediocre Tampa Bay team to be within one score of Detroit to go to the to go to the conference championship game. Now, there's a lot of inconsistency in Todd Bowles' career. Eleven wins with with the Jets years ago, then a bunch of bad, presumably because you're losing you're losing your Dave Canales every year that you're successful. But there is a way to do that. It just requires you to be exceptionally thoughtful, forward thinking, have a near never ending pipeline of offensive talent, especially if you don't have your own Justin Herbert already. Especially yeah. if you don't have the guy that's going to be your linchpin that against all comers see the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes. This this year for the Chiefs, by the way, is not about an offense that you cannot stop for 60 minutes. You might get him for a possession, but Tyreek Hill's going to hit one. Travis Kelsey's going to break your back on a third down. Mahomes is going to pull a play out of his tuchus and they're winning the Super Bowl because their offense is a juggernaut. Even with this offensive genius that is Andy Reid and a guy that's on his way to being the best quarterback ever in Mahomes, they're a defensive team that likes to hand it off to Pacheco and have Pat Mahomes as kind of the magic man to make a play late in the game. Different iterations, but the point is they got that bulletproof superhero monster that's the, the equalizer for them. Yeah, if, if you, you don't have that, sorry to cut you off, but if you don't have that yet, and you're basically saying, we can do it, but we just have to be aware this is a hilly road that sometimes gets hit with avalanches and, and uh, boulders fall down. It is a perilous road as it is, and we're opting for a harder one we need to have eyes open there. If you don't have the, the superhero quarter, the superhero quarterback, I think can break the rules. You could hire a lot. You could hire Mickey Thompson from Stonebridge High School if you wanted to. If you got Patrick Mahomes, probably. Like there are exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm. Again, there's just a thing that's worked a lot lately, and a thing that hasn't. They're going with the thing that hasn't, and you got to cross your fingers. Here's what we should do next. We're gonna open up the phones. Eight hundred six three six one zero six seven is the number. You can tweet us at Grant H. Paulson at Funny Danny. How do you think this is going to go? And what do you think is going to determine how this goes? How will this work? And what's going to determine if Dan Quinn in Washington, D.C. is a success? 800-636-1067 is the number. First time today. Couple of lines open. Next on G&D. The brand of football that we're going to play is going to be fast and physical. Uh, we're going to attack in every phase that we can do it. And then most importantly, uh, I would like you to know that uh, the energy and the enthusiasm you bring to the Atlanta Falcons uh, can be unmatched in terms of the energy I'll try to bring to you as your head football coach. Uh, it's an unbelievable opportunity, one I couldn't be uh, more proud to be here and be here with you today. All sorts of challenges ahead, lots of hard work to do. Uh, but I can't wait to get started with all of you. That was the introductory press conference of Dan Quinn in Atlanta. There's another one of those coming up here in the nation's capital. Round two. The Commanders have a brand new head coach, former Falcons 
head man, Dan Quinn, has coached in a Super Bowl, was in Atlanta for six seasons. More recently, he was the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. And Washington, ideally going to be stronger. The Cowboys are certainly getting weaker. No Dan Quinn and the report out of the Houston Chronicle is that Joe Witt Jr., who's the defensive backs and pass game coordinator for the Cowboys in their secondary, is going to be taken from that staff to be the defensive coordinator here in D.C. under Dan Quinn. Those are two of their top defensive coaches for a defense-dominant operation the last couple of years. I do not hate hearing that the Cowboys Fine are going to be scrambling here to fix their staff. Absolutely. They let them uh, scramble here at the 11th hour, right? Like, if he was coming back, you would have to worry about this stuff, make it harder for them as everyone else has been picked over. So I'm all in favor of that. I think that the offensive staff's going to decide his fate here, coordinator and beyond, whether or not this works. Also, the number two pick at quarterback, if that's what it is. If you pick Drake May, if Drake May is excellent, we're going to feel really good about Dan Quinn over the next few years. Mm -hmm. If Drake May is bad, they're going to have their work cut out for him. And like any coach with a quarterback situation that's not good, see Ron Rivera, you're going to be in trouble. Anything else you would add to that? As we ask people, what's going to determine his fate? What are your expectations? Yeah, to me, the, the next order of business from Peters, right, from from the GM, it's it's scouts on the same page. It's developing uh, people in your front office. It's developing coaches. It's finding, finding talent that's not just on the field but off the field as well to fully support the organization, right? That kind of stuff that happens behind the scenes, it's not sexy. It doesn't make headlines all that often. But the good organizations, think Baltimore, think San Francisco, constantly having to replenish their ranks, and they do so and they never fall off. All right, let's get to the phones. MGM National Harbor Listener Lines, 800-636-1067. Let's go to Matt, who's in D.C. on Grant and Danny. Matt, how do you feel? Yeah, Grant, Danny, I feel good. Uh, Dan Quinn, I think, has got an excellent chance to be a competent coach, get us back on solid footing as an organization. He is not the shiny, sexy uh, hire that, yeah, we were sort of hoping for, or, you know, I certainly was interested in maybe getting. Uh, but I did read an article saying that it looked like we were going to win the offseason, and with Dan Quinn, we didn't. And, frankly, I've won enough offseasons <laughs> in the last however many years that that's fine by me. I do want to push back on one thing about the offensive-defensive thing, uh, Grant. And, you know, Andy, Andy Reid is obviously an offensive genius, one of, the great, one of the greats ever in the NFL. Yeah. But this, this Chiefs team is a defensive-oriented team, not dissimilar to when Peyton Manning won it with the Broncos. I mean, it's Peyton Manning. He's got Demarius Thomas and, and all these great offensive weapons. But that team won with defense and ball control. Sure. Uh, no, no, my my argument, it, Matt, I'm not cutting you off. I'll let you rebut this. But my argument is not that offensive teams constantly win, although – that is typically the trend as well over a much larger sample. Yeah, look at the conference finalists. The Chiefs are an good offensive offenses. organization. Yeah. They happen this year to, to have had a really good defense. My point is offensive-minded head coach. It's it's an entire kind of way to go about the, using your assets, using your funds, using your draft picks. And, yeah, occasionally, as I said in, in that rant, offensive-minded head coaches have better defenses over a 20-year study. That, that Believe it or not, when you have an offensive-minded head coach, your defense is in the top five more often. So, you know, that doesn't really go say, against like, what I'm saying. You did say, like, Mahomes, you know, uh, now the teams, like, yeah, I think a couple years ago in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, that was a, you know, they put a defensive beat down on the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But I am mentioning, I guess, the quarterbacks I'm bringing out 
are Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. I know, right? If you got one It'd of be those nice. guys, you, you could probably have a good defense. But also, like, I don't. I'm not looking at an individual game. Did their defense play great? I'm not concerned with is their defense awesome or not this season. The Chiefs' defense is good. Their head coach is Andy Reid. He is the offensive play caller. He spends 70 hours a, a day putting his offensive plan together. The coaches in this league that have the most success are offensive-minded. That, that's the point of, of what I was talking about. Let's go to Sean in Woodbridge. Hello, Sean. How are you? GND, what's going on, fellas? Hey, buddy. Okay, I'm going to make this straight, man. I'm pretty cool with it. And reason being is because this man sounds like somebody who's on a redemption kick. This dude is this dude is here for redemption. He's not he's not here just to make some money or or this little you know situation together with being a head coach again. This is about redemption. This dude is is there's stuff right about now. Now I want you guys to think about something. Now he might have found his defensive coordinator, but I'm telling y'all, uh, the enemy's coming back. The enemy's coming back. He got a year left on his contract. Sean, and I, I, I want to bet was, you a dollar on that. You want to bet a dollar? I'm telling you, the enemy, the enemy's coming back. Let's you, bet a dollar. Because I, I think the enemy wasn't the enemy wasn't coming nowhere if they would have got the other dudes. They would have got you know they'd have got him out of there. I think it's something to this. I, I can't put my finger on it. I think something is to this because he got a year left in his contract. He does. I, appreciate you, buddy. Ron Rivera did too. How'd that work <laughs> out for Coach? Uh, it doesn't sound like he wants to take up my dollar bet. I maybe maybe it's I'm too close to it. I can't see it, but who knows? After after a process, right? Maybe that's something that was floated. Can you imagine after hiring Dan Quinn, if they then come out and announce when we're all saying the most important thing is the OC hire? Who are you entrusting this number two pick to? Like the, the way that you can really couch the Dan Quinn hire is with the next one. When you announce Clint Kubiak or Chip Kelly, or you know, I think that's more of the splash podium one than, mm-hmm. than you know the substance. But you know, Kubiak or Greasy or whatever, that's going to grease the skids. If you say the guy that was here last year when the receivers couldn't get open, Terry McLaurin, your best player at his worst year, Dotson and the giant regression, yeah. John Dotson fell off, and the quarterback had a terrible season, and everyone said the offensive line was terrible and didn't get better. We're gonna we're gonna give the number two pick to him. I'm gonna go ahead and bet against that. It wouldn't feel great. 800-636-1067. If you want to hop in on Grant and Danny, Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Washington Commanders. I want to compare the hires in the other seven markets. See where we would slot this in in terms of maybe safest or or most likely to you know last his contract as well as ceilings. Who's the most likely to to win big? We're G and D. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.